VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, all right. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly. Just having a wonderful little ch- yarn with Jerry Lynn Mackey. Just caught me. <laughs> anyway, Jerry Lynn, have a great day. Break a leg, Linda. <laughs> She got the heat on in here and bust, by the way. I gotta adjust that now in a moment. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, I can understand though why the heat is up because it's uh, man, the weather lately, unbelievable. A really stormy day uh, yesterday, and another stormy day ahead for the eastern portion of the island. Snow expected to start roughly around lunchtime today for at least the metro area. Most schools in the region have uh, either closed or are having an early early dismissal so if you're not sure uh, all the details can be found at the VOCM store and page which is up at VOCM.com and a, a really bad day yesterday right across the island and into a, a large portion of Labrador I found the drive home yesterday was the worst I've ever encountered driving in the rain it was really something else uh, add to that the general added busyness of the season um, and uh, encountered a few close calls uh, some uh, accidents along the way just an awful awful uh, ride home on the commute yesterday and of course after dark uh, so if you're um, just be careful out there if you're heading east on the highway today keep in mind that uh, heavy snow is in the forecast from about Gander Inn, uh, including the Buren Peninsula. So be aware of that and uh, stay safe out there, everybody. Well, uh, we have a story in the run this morning um, from the federal government, uh, François-Philippe Champagne, uh, who is the uh, federal industry minister, is uh, indicating that um, while a lot of the major grocery chains last week announced uh, a lot of these um, measures that they're uh, taking to uh, address the high cost of groceries, uh, including some bigger discounts on state items and uh, um, price freezes on a variety of packaged foods. Um, Champagne says that's not enough. He wants to see more. And uh, he says the way to ensure um, lower prices is to encourage greater competition. Um, So the federal government has announced some measures to improve, I guess, the competitive landscape out there, especially as it relates to uh, grocery chains and the like. Um, the Affordability Act, that's Bill C-56, will help to bolster competition, says Champagne, by allowing subpoena power to the Bureau to force companies in the grocery sector to provide information as part of market studies. So it will uh, allow um, the Competition Bureau to actually say, okay, uh, what's going on here? Give us your give give us your numbers. Uh, mergers will only be allowed to go forward when they benefit consumers, and new measures will help to crack down on large grocery chains. Chains, sorry, who limit the ability of smaller independents to compete, which has been um, a big barrier to, let's say, some of these um, U.S.-based grocers who want to come in and start uh, setting up business in Canada um, to offer some 
I guess, selection. Anyway, if you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. I know grocery prices is uh, the most pressing issue for a lot of uh, Canadians right now. Anytime you go in the grocery store, it seems like the prices are up over the last time you visited the grocery store. So I'd like to hear what people have to say about that, about uh, ideas behind uh, greater affordability, greater competition, greater transparency, perhaps, when it comes to how groceries are priced. I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Well, the capital city expected to provide an update today on the encampment in the Bannerman Park area, and more specifically, calls for greater access to the bathroom facilities there, the public washrooms. Uh, The city indicated yesterday that it does not have the resources to ensure that access to public washrooms be maintained 24-7. They have concerns there about vandalism. They have concerns there about general public safety. So we expect to hear more about that a little later on today. Uh, Housing Minister Sean Fraser says the federal government ensuring that cooperative housing is included in tax breaks being offered to help with the development of targeted affordable housing and more specifically cooperative housing. It's a new concept for me, but apparently it is the way to go, especially in larger urban areas where there are some significant affordability issues. Newfoundland and Labrador of course, one of the um, least expensive places to buy real estate. However, um, when you compare it to everything else, uh, still out of the range of most, you know, ordinary people, we'll say. So um, if you have any thoughts on that, you're welcome to give us a call. They're uh, moving forward with a $300 million um Um, funding announcement that was previously announced, but making changes to the policy that offers GST breaks for new apartment construction to include cooperative housing that will provide um, uh, housing at reasonable prices for families. And it's uh, proven to be a successful combination in other parts of the country. Well, uh, the Kruger paper mill in Corner Brook resumed production after a one-week shutdown. Uh, Good news for the region, of course. Uh, Anytime you hear about a shutdown, especially one that uh, comes a little unexpected. It can cause a great deal of anxiety and uncertainty. Uh, so we hope to hear from the mayor of Corner Brook sometime this morning about uh, that and other things happening on the uh, West Coast. And um, uh, that's about it for us for now. We have a very busy show, it looks like, uh, shaping up here. So I'm going to go straight to our callers and start with uh, Tom. Hello, Tom. Yeah. Hello, Tom. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay, good. So, uh, just a couple of, couple of things I want to talk about today, important. Um, my wife and I are out in the West Coast. We were doing uh, child sexual abuse training in Corner Brook. And um, yesterday she developed an infection in her thumb, really serious infection, actually, sepsis, and uh, on Sunday. And uh, and then Monday we went to the, to the they called uh, 811, and uh, they said, you need to go to the hospital. So we went over to Corner Brook Hospital, and there was a really helpful nurse there at around 11.30 at night. And she said, unfortunately, there's no nurse practitioner, there's no doctor here to order any tests or to do anything. So you can stay all night and wait till the morning or you can come back in the morning. Is that right? It's kind of crazy. I mean, she she ended up having IV uh, 
antibiotics and we've got to stay out here actually and continue with the course of treatment. So, you know, I, it's lucky that she's a young, healthy person. I, it just was really shocking to know that in a, you know, second biggest city of the province that, uh, that there was nobody to be able to. Poor nurse was just there with her hands tied, really. So what time of uh, evening was this? It was 11.30 p.m. on okay. Monday night. Yeah. And so, you, know, you were told that there was no doctor available at all? No doctor, no nurse practitioner. Nobody who could order tests or who could or could inspect or do even uh, do a prescription for antibiotics. At the Western Memorial Regional Hospital? Correct. Wow. Is yeah. that a regular occurrence or were there any indication that the, um, uh, this was a one-off? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those things where when you sit back and look at the system the way it is it, you know and i know many smaller hospitals are faced with this you know their emergency rooms being closed but it's almost like healthcare and and you know more importantly emergency care now is at the convenience of people who don't want to work at night anymore and i i know that's indicative of i think probably our whole society and maybe even the, all the rich world that i mean i i don't know how we expect to have a functioning society when these important, very important things, but I, I would argue that I think it's not just the important things. I think that this is more like the uh, the last straw in the, the potentially the collapse of our society is when 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 people uh, the people all of us collectively are no longer willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary to keep our society functioning. So yeah, you know, and I and I don't think this is a I'm not this is not me complaining to government or to, you know, Newfoundland Health Services or, you know, I think it's more of a general comment on where we find ourselves as a society and as a province. And I think there's a lot of people, all of us really have to look in the mirror and and ask ourselves, you know, where are we going? And if, you know, this, you know, we have got to find a way to turn this ship around and change our attitudes towards service and, towards how we all step up every day. And, and I, again, I think it's more symptomatic. And this is not, like I say, it's not me throwing bricks at the poor nurse who was there or everybody else. But if, if all we tell ourselves every day is we're all overworked and we're all underpaid and, and you know, we all want quality of life, whatever that means, uh, I mean, I, I understand the concept, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's working out very well. And I, and I don't see how it's going to get better. And it's not a money problem because as we all know, we have, most lucrative financial compensation uh, in the pro- in the country for our healthcare professionals, and you know, and and bringing in um, multinational companies is again not going to solve the challenges. I mean, they have the same problem because at the end of the day, we call eight one one nurse practitioners only work eight to eight. So, you know, it's the same it's the same challenge. And, and again, it isn't just the healthcare, but like when healthcare no longer functions properly, you know how bad everything else is. You know, that's really, you know, you would think that'd be the, you know, the final, the final straw will be when, uh, when volunteer fire people no longer respond. But, you know, that's only just around the corner, unfortunately, because, you know, again, it's, I think it's a societal problem, not a individual problem. So but, expectations you know, I, and uh, um, attitudes is what you're saying. Well, I, mean, I think it's fair to say that that's just a given. Um, but again, I, and I just think it's, it's, it's service. It's it's that concept of what service actually means, you know. And and I I think we've lost that. I think it's I think everything now has a dollar value on it. And and I think that I, I don't know how we get back to it. I mean, I know older people 
listen to this call are like probably you know agreeing and 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 the younger people are like what's he getting on with but, you know you know a certain percentage it's just you know it's that break in in uh, what causes a society to function when we become disconnected from from everybody you know our, all our responsibilities to each other and you know small business people and, and you know it may even be contributing to the housing stock problem and that people you know developers are no longer wanting to take chances and, and we we create a narrative everybody creates a narrative as to why they're not doing what probably they need to do and i think we all need to consider i'm not you know why students aren't trying as hard as they are well, you know well, you know it goes on and on and on i know and again i think it goes right from the top to the bottom and it's it's, it's a why, comment i want to why people are not offering themselves for public service like um, in in politics correct why they're not volunteering you know um you know and it's 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 a very difficult and big conversation, but I, I believe we need to look it straight in the face. And you know, everybody wants to, you know, blame the politicians. And man, oh man, I can see why someone would want to be when it's apparently everything in this province is the fault of forty people. Well, probably twenty one or twenty two elected people, really. But anyway, I, not my main reason for calling, but I I thought it was something I wanted to get off my chest. Um, when we were doing this uh, child sex abuse training, uh, news broke of the 12-year-old little boy who uh, died by suicide in D.C. Oh, and heartbreaking. The, investiga the investigation has determined that uh, he was being sex-tortured, which, which basically is the concept that that he, that someone's basically blackmailing you, for lack of better word, for more sexual images. So, so you know, you get you get sucked in somehow. A young person or an older person gets sucked in to providing something um and then they then blackmail you to get more and that can you know be offline that's usually online now it's the way it seems to work but then it can move to offline and you know i think it, i think we need to realize and, and a lot of times obviously the vast majority of of individuals who are victims of sexual abuse are uh, child sexual abuse are females but obviously this little boy wasn't, and, and a lot of the really high-profile cases, including the uh, the teacher, uh, teacher volleyball coach, you know, up to 100 charges now for that gentleman, and and also the two gentlemen down in the East End, Escott and Humby, I think his name was, same thing, little boys, and, you know, obviously Mount Cashel. So, you know, I wanted to, you know, make people realize that, that, that boys also are really being preyed upon. Yeah, they are. Online. In fact, uh, I thought I saw uh, stats recently, and I, I uh, stand to be corrected on this, that shows that um, uh, the uh, largest growing sector of people who are being sextorted are young boys, boys and teens. It's a fast-growing um, segment. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it's one of these things where, again, from a bigger societal issue um we really need i think we need to come together somehow because because individually the parents are all on their own and they're all making what they think is the best decisions but you know given the fact that you know a lot of these young people are 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 young um do you know and, and we don't allow children to have access to they can't gamble till they're 19 they can't drink till they're 19 they can't smoke until they're 18 they can't make those choices uh, marijuana, the same thing, legal marijuana. To so the 19, you know, I think we really need to have a larger conversation at what age children should have access to smartphones. I mean, it's, it's different for them to have a phone that they can call and text on, but it's a whole different world. And, of course, the argument is, well, everybody else has them. 
But, but yeah, and they're know. living this whole secret life. Uh, I mean, how do you monitor that? How, I mean, it's one th- one thing to say, you know, parents need to be aware of what their kids are doing online, but it's how do you do it? It's almost impossible. And they'll find ways around it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know that there was a parent involved in one of these cases, and, and, and this parent was recognized the name and went of, of that the female uh, name that the person was using and when they heard it on the news they almost went off the road because they were monitoring their child's social media and saw the name and asked about it and, and was told oh that's just something that's just a girl that all the guys interact with no big deal so you know you know and you, and you think about it um parents say well i monitor my phone well she was that per- this mom mom was monitoring her child's phone. Um, people say, well, you know, at school they can't do things. Well, I, as we were talking to a teacher out here who said that, that she caught a grade three student watching gay adult porn on their device in school. So the children are downloading VPNs, virtual private networks, which get around all the protections you might possibly have, both at school and at home. I mean, there are things you can do with your routers as the schools do to supposedly avoid children being getting on there, but they just work around it. And, and you know, again, I there was lots of evidence of the harm that these devices are doing to children's development, the distractions. There's, you know, just, just you know, you can go really deep, you know, aggression and depression and, and uh, all the different challenges that young people are are doing and being exacerbated by these devices. But there are studies that say just as simple that the closer you are to your phone, the less cognitive capacity you have to do things. So the farther the phone is away from a child when they're doing a test, the better they do in the test. So, you know, and it's a big challenge. And I think, I think as long as it's a divide and conquer thing, I mean, I think we need to make this an election issue, maybe even a referendum issue. I don't know. We don't have referendums in this province, but I, you know, I would like to suggest there's lots of places down the States. They do them over in Europe. They do them where when they have an election, they'll have other issues on the ballot. And and I, I think we need to have, I think our leaders and our political parties need to have the courage to start making some of these societal issues um, a referendum issue so so that we can all vote on it and, and be educated and, and have the pros and the cons and let the cell phone companies and the social media companies argue, make their arguments. I don't think there'll be any argument for it, really, but let them try. And But let's then have psychologists and, and these experts uh, make the counter argument, all the harm that it's doing to our children. And again, it's our future. And if we, if we think our healthcare system is is understaffed now and and broken now. Imagine how bad it's going to be when all these distracted children who aren't able to cognitively pull off being doctors or or uh, nurses or all the different re- these these professions we rely upon because they're uh, they're broken from all these addictions that that they're that they're uh, you know down the rabbit hole. And so you know I I know these are some heavy topics, but I you know call on people to think about it and 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 we some courageous, forward-thinking actions. All right. Tom, uh, appreciate your call. I hope uh, Bev is doing well. Well, well, I don't know how long we're going to stay out here, but it's snowing out here now, so I hope everybody is safe driving today in town. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to speak with the mayor of Cornerbrook, Jim Parsons, coming up right after this. And we are back, and we're going now to Corner Brook, beautiful Corner Brook, to speak with Jim Parsons. Hello, Jim. How are you doing? Good. I understand the snow is already starting to fall in Corner Brook. Yeah, we got a little bit. I'm hoping that it's just uh, passing through and not sticking around. Good news for the uh, ski hill, though, I suppose. 
Yeah, Liz and I, we're, we enjoy the snow out here, of course, but we like it up on the hills, around the outskirts of the city, and not on our city roads. There you uh, go. So, uh, so, yeah, it's uh, lots of time for snow, and there are snowmobilers and skiers, uh, but uh, it's been good so far, and I'm hoping that we're going to get a little reprieve for a while yet. So, Jim, uh, I don't know if you heard Tom Davis off the top there. Uh, he, his wife had to make a trip to the Western Memorial Regional Hospital ER last night around 11 o'clock and uh, were met by uh, a nurse trying her very best, but no nurse practitioner or doctor available until today. Uh, does that surprise you? Is that a, a regular occurrence at Western Memorial? I didn't hear that. I uh, didn't hear that interview, but uh, we have heard of uh, extreme weights uh, going to outpatients or uh, through emerge, uh, it has been a point of, uh, I guess, uh, frustration and concern for our community for sure. Uh, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's very alarming to hear those things. And has it been difficult to staffing the ER twenty four seven at Western Memorial? I'm not aware of uh, of you know consistent problems with like staffing period, but I have heard consistently of extremely long waits and extremely busy periods. And I have been through there with loved ones, and uh, you know it, it, it has been uh, completely overwhelmed. There is no doubt, and with the lack of resources that are there, so uh, it is something that uh, I know uh, a lot of our uh, well province and our country is dealing with now. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is. It is definitely concerning to our community. For sure, and we, uh, I know uh, Brian Medore is making a request of NL Health Services to find out what was going on there um, well, last night. Um, so in the meantime, Kruger back up and running. It must come as a, a great relief. Yes, of course. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, 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 well, the reason really for Cornbrook's existence. Uh, about 100 years ago, that mill was put there. Uh, so I think it's 100 mil- years it started uh, next year. So it's, uh, it's you know, been there for quite a while. It adds a lot to our economy, uh, to our coppers. There are good jobs, um, you know, hundreds of jobs, hundreds of spin-off jobs. Uh, it's the anchor tenant for our port as well here, our container service. Uh, and it contributes directly to, uh, to our tax revenues for the city. So it's, it's, it's super important. Uh, we're glad to see it going. We hope this is a very, was a very short-term issue. I know they took advantage of the time to do some maintenance uh, work there. Uh, but it's always a relief when you see the steam coming from those stacks. Are there continued concerns there, though, uh, given the fact that we had this one-week shutdown uh, at a time that came as a bit of a surprise to many? Yeah, it, well, it's you know, it's, it's always a concern. I don't have any new information from the uh, from Kruger on uh, the extent of this or, or what uh, what it what it was caused by exactly. I do understand that there were some demand forecasts that were uh, less than positive for paper worldwide. But we do have a very uh, we do have a very good situation here. We have a, a power source, of course. The, the Deer Lake Power is for our mill, and it can only be used by the mill. So it's uh, it's you know a way to keep costs low, good fiber supply, good workforce, container service right next door. So there are a lot of advantages to the uh, to the mill here, uh, and there's a lot of potential for diversification, product changes down the road. So. Uh, you know, I'm still very optimistic that our mill in some form is going to be here for quite a while. Uh, but, uh, you know, these little ups and downs and whips uh, are, are nothing new. And they're definitely always a little bit of a concern. 
So what else is happening in Cornerbrook these days? Uh, this is budget time. Uh, what's yeah. in store there? Any hints? Yeah, well, we have our budget. Uh, actually, uh, our council meeting on Monday is our budget meeting, and we'll be presenting our budget. Um, it is, uh, it's been a you know, strange year. There's been ups and downs. We've seen uh, uh, a lot of things return to, quote-unquote, normal as we've uh, come out of the pandemic. Uh, so there's been a lot of positives in that regard. We're seeing uh, our tourism sector is doing well. A lot of our business, our development is going really well. We're seeing a lot of construction here. Uh, of course, though, we've also seen the, you know, inflation is plaguing our area so uh, and our country, really. And so our residents are really feeling the pinch when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, increased costs of fuel, groceries, rent, everything, as is the city. So, uh, our, you know, we're, we're dealing with rising uh, costs to provide the same services we always provided. So it's a, it is a struggle, but... Uh, I will say that uh, I'm very pleased with council's uh, response to this. We've, I think we've put together a very good, uh, responsible budget uh, that the citizens of Cornerbrook will be pleased with. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 we're glad to be through that process. We have a good handle on where we're going next year. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have some really interesting news on Monday. You mentioned inflation. Is that to suggest that there could be a change in the mill rate? Well, there is uh, inflation has been, uh, you know, something that no one has been immune to. Uh, we definitely have increased costs here at the city. Uh, we've also seen our assessments of properties uh, go up quite a bit here in the city of Cornerbrook. So uh, our water costs have gone up quite significantly for chemicals and things like that. Uh, so there will be some tinkering there and some changes, but uh, I think that uh, you'll have to wait till Monday to get the uh, to see exactly uh, what our solution to this problem has been. Fair enough, and I see that Corner Brook has become the preferred um, uh, destination for cruise ships. Yeah, so we're 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 I call us the cruise ship capital of Newfoundland. It's taken us a while to get there, but we do have. Uh, uh, I think it, I was just looking at over 60,000 crew and passengers came through this year, 28 visits. Uh, and uh, it, it's showing about, I think, over $14 million of economic value uh, in those visits. Not to mention, of course, the great marketing value. When we send tens of thousands of people back home with pictures on their camera of our beautiful city, uh, and uh, sharing them on uh, social media and telling their friends to come visit, um, that's really helpful as well. So, yeah, cruise has been, a, has, has been excellent the last number of years. Next year is, uh, is promising to be an even bigger year with the number of visits. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really good in that regard, for sure. So, uh, to what do you attribute that success? Well, I, I think it's uh, the city speaks for itself. I mean, uh, the visitors that come here, they do, our port is uh, relatively close to our downtown. And so uh, many, of course, get off and do tours and they go around our region and see uh, the beautiful landscape here. But many stay in the, in the city itself and they patronize the local businesses and uh, take in our beautiful trails and things like that. And, uh, and they get welcomed by, we have a great volunteer group of ambassadors that provide uh, visitor information. Uh, we try to give them opportunities to, you know, uh, buy crafts and local art and things like that in our city square, as well as our local shops. So it is the quality of the, uh, of the product here that uh, definitely 
gets the cruise uh, companies to uh, and, and the, the reviews they get from their passengers that makes them want to come back. And so we're quite we're quite happy to have them. Has the city been getting any feedback from visitors or, you know, do you make a point or council make a point of, you know, getting some of that feedback just to see what they like, what they uh, would like to see more of maybe? Yeah, we have a, um, uh, we work closely with our port, of course, and I sit on the port board as well as part of my job as mayor. Um, but uh, we do uh, we do hear a lot back. We do see them in city uh, city hall. In fact, uh, that's one of the. It's right there in the city square downtown on West Street. So uh, we do see a lot of visitors. I get a lot of direct feedback from them as well as our ambassadors on what they uh, what they like to see. Uh, you know, we have uh, here in the square. We we're connected to our museum and archives. We get a lot of good feedback about that from many of the visitors. Uh, the trail system connects all through the downtown. And so you can go on YouTube now and within the quality of the of the videos and things that people make and take uh, is quite amazing. And you can go in, you know, and search on Cornerbrook Cruise and you'll see people posting what their experience was in, was in Cornerbrook and, uh, and, you know, how, how much they appreciated the natural beauty, uh, what we've done with our, uh, with our, our trails and our, um, our green areas, our parks, and Margaret Border Park, of course, Glenmoyne Ponds, uh, all that area as well. And uh, yeah, it's 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 largely a very positive uh, uh, experience, and which is great because that that referral and that word of mouth, there's nothing nothing better than getting a referral from an actual person who was there. So uh, yeah, it's 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 been really good. Jim Parsons, really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, thanks very much. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime, reach out. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for calling. All righty. Have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's uh, Corner Brook Mayor uh, Jim Parsons. Budget coming down on Monday. Stay tuned for all the details on that. We have an update on the uh, bathrooms at Bannerman Park. I'll give you all that information when we come back right after the break. Santa Calls returns December 4th to your VOCM. And we are back. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off today. Well, we have an update coming this afternoon. Mayor Danny Breen, uh, City of St. John's, is going to be holding a news conference at 1 o'clock regarding the bathrooms at Bannerman Park. But in the meantime, they have announced that the uh, bathrooms at Bannerman Park will be closed until further notice because of um, vandalism and what the city calls misuse, which has resulted in a damage to both the plumbing and the toilets and sinks in that area. So um, uh, the city says it does recognize the importance of bathroom facilities. And as you know, uh, there was recently a rally at uh, St. John's City Hall calling for 24-7 access to um, bathroom facilities in Bannerman Park because of the encampment that is there um, with people uh, chanting, you know, uh, bathroom access is a human right. Um, so the city says it does recognize the importance of bathroom facilities uh, for people who are in the nearby encampment. And uh, the city has reached out to the provincial government to request that porta potties be placed on the grounds of colonial building. Uh, the Bannerman Park bathrooms, uh, it says, are an important amenity used by visitors to the park. However, they have become inaccessible due to current conditions, which pose a significant health and safety issue for both residents and staff. Some examples, they say, of the misuse and vandalism include 
uh, needles and garbage being flushed and uh, clogging the toilets, human waste on the floors of the bathrooms there, toilets being dislodged, and soap dispensers being removed and or damaged. So uh, Mayor Danny Breen is, uh, has called a news conference for 1 o'clock today. VOCM News will be there. But in the meantime, the city says uh, bathrooms at Bannerman Park are now closed until further notice because of uh, damage and um, vandalism at that particular area. They're asking the provincial government to um, place porta-potties near the encampment so that people have access to those types of bathroom facilities. We are going to go now to Bob. You're on the air. Hello, Bob. Hello. Hello, Bob. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm still alive, but barely. Oh, no. Yes, I'm not very well. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to say. As the cost of living has gone, I can't keep up with it. No, nobody what? can. It's terrible. No. My woman had to get oxygen, right? She's sick. And I had a wood stove, the main source of heat. Now I'm not allowed to use the wood stove. I got to get, put, take the, get back at the glue, right? And I got an accident. Right. Yep. So, and, uh, how are you heating your your place now? Well, I got a furnace, and the cost of oil, as I can't afford it, there's a little rubber oil left in the tank, and I'm air cold. I can only squeeze in bed, try to stay warm. So it's not only me; there's other people worse off than I am. And 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 there's nobody gives a damn about the senior citizens. Do you think um, like- governments take uh, the, the the very real challenges faced by seniors seriously enough? Oh my God, no! They, they don't. They think they're never going to get old. They think they're going to live forever. But I got news for them. You know, everybody will get old, my dearie. And I wish everybody the best of health in the world. And I wish everybody a little bit of comfort in their senior, senior days because I worked hard all my life to help pay taxes. And, and what do I get? A kick in the... I won't say it. So you're in a very difficult straits here now. Your your wife requires oxygen. You can't have the wood stove anymore. You got to put the furnace on. Um, yeah. Groceries are through the roof. How are you getting by? Uh, I'll have to go to the dumpster, I suppose. God help us. Sad, 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 sad. And like I say, it's not only me, Mono. I pity everybody, because everybody is equal. In this world, they're supposed to be equal, but that's not so. Do you get any help? Do you, does, do you have family no. or friends that come by? No, my love, my my children are away. Actually, they got they got all they can do to look after themselves, right? I never see I never see them now in four years, over four years. 
and I don't say I'll ever see him anymore. But that's that's it. And the good Lord give it, and the good Lord take it away. I pray every night for everybody in the world to help them help them get through it. Right? Who's your MHA, Bob? I don't know, my love. I I don't know. I'm in I'm in Whitburn. So that should be Sh- uh, Sherry Gambin Walsh. Mrs. Walsh, yeah, I know. I wasn't talking to her. No. I don't want to trouble. I don't want to trouble them. They got enough of troubles. I dare say now they're like the healthcare workers. They ran out on the feet and drove crazy with people complaining. Right? You got to get down to the root of the problem. There's no good of putting band-aids on, on anything. When you, when you get a splinter in your hand, you take the splinter out. You don't leave it there and put a band-aid on. That's what's going on now. So what's the root of the problem? The root of the problem is big, big business, big books, big dollars, big big companies. Much craves more, see, Linda? Much craves more. And, and they'll never get enough. And they think they can take it with them, but they can't. It's better to give than receive. That's my motto. I sold my truck last week. The truck cost me around $15,000, and I sold it for $8,000. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, I had to, to pay the bills to keep the wolf from the door. I had no other choice. So what do you do? As my grandfather says, what do you do with a poor Jesus perishing pony and a fall home and stable? you got to look after what's can right? The people we need to look... I, I, I love bringing in people from other countries and helping them. I love this dearly. But my God, you look after your own family first, wouldn't you, Linda? You look after your own, and then if you got any left, share it, right? That's the way. That's the way it was years ago when we were growing up. We were farmers, right? My name was Old Bob Tucker, and we were farmers, and we shared everything. If there was people who had food for the winter, we gave them food to get them through the winter. Sorry, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, um, but we just got a call from someone, and I'm going to put you on hold if you don't mind. Um, uh, And Dave will talk to you next. Uh, There's somebody on the line who wants to give you a little help. Uh, I don't don't accept, accept help very much. I'm not one to beg. No, no, and I understand that completely. Uh, but uh, someone is uh, someone's on the line willing to help you. So would you, if I put you on hold, will you hang in there and Dave will talk to you next? Okay, Linda, you have a good day and thank you very much. All right, listen, you take care. You too. All right, I'm putting you on hold. Now you stay on the line. All right, I'm going to put him on hold. Dave, he's there. Uh, We're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we hope to speak with you. We are back. We're going to go now to Robin. You're on the air. Hello, Robin. And we are back. Hello, Robin. Robin, you're on the air. Hello, Robin. Hello. Yeah, you're going to have to turn down your radio, Robin. Yeah. All right. What's on your mind? Uh, The death penalty. Okay. 
the vast majority of Canadians would like to see the return of the death penalty. Really? The vast majority? Yes. If you check uh, the Google, uh, the latest polls, they show certainly the majority of Canadians want the return of the death penalty. It was only uh, liberal-minded politicians in the 60s that <clears throat> revoked it. Canadians have never had the chance to uh, express directly their views on the matter. And I believe firmly that Canadians want the return of the death penalty. Really? Oh, yes. I know this shocks you because you're a liberal. But if you bother to check in. I'm into not anything. It, I... Well, was, come on now. Uh, what do you mean, if, come on if, now? If, what are you saying? The media, certainly VOCM, is very woke. It's very pro-small liberal values. The mention of the death penalty shows, just like you did, uh, a shock that Canadians would want the return of the death penalty. But there's no question that the majority do if you check into it. Well, uh, the and last poll I saw was only in, in around the 54% mark. <clears throat> well, is that a majority? That's a majority of, of yes, 1,000 well, people who were polled. Well, that's true, but I'm telling you. Yeah. Canadians want the return of the death penalty. It's as simple as that. Okay, so for what purpose? For uh, punishing those people who believe they have a right to kill other people. Look at the Portapec uh, murderer. 22 people murdered in cold blood. Would the death penalty have prevented that from happening? Well, that's a possibility, isn't it? And it certainly would prevent him from doing it again. But does it have a preventative, um, uh, you know, impact? Does it in the in states in the United States where there is a death penalty? Uh, has that had you know, an impact on on murder I, I, rates? I don't care about that. If someone's well, going to kill, if why you make kill, these decisions? If someone is going to kill other people, they deserve to be hanged. In so my opinion, just uh, so it's just a. Um, a, a punishment, if you will. Well, what's wrong with that? Isn't that what criminal law is all about, punishing people? And look at Clifford Olson. He self-confessed. He tortured and murdered uh, many little children. And he continued to torture the parents of those children by sending them correspondence from the jail, laughing and mocking at them. He should have been hanged. And I'm sure the majority of Canadians would agree he should have been hanged. There's, there's no question they did the crime. He admitted to it quite gladly. He should have been hanged. And most Canadians would, would believe that. So you think this should be um, making its way then into uh, well, well, campaign or policy? Well, when the next federal election comes up and these politicians show up at your door, ask them, will they support return of the death penalty? and see what, how they squirm. All right, fair enough. Rob, Robin, I appreciate your call. All right, thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. Uh, we're going to go now to... Uh, I need a little direction here. We're going to go now to Bert. You're on the air. Hello, Bert. Hello. Good morning, Linda. How are you? I'm not too bad for an old man. That's good. Uh, I'd like to throw a bunch of roses this morning. To the lady that called in yesterday morning, and she spoke about those people down there, down camping, 
and living a miserable life. And this morning when I turned on the radio, I heard you talking about it. Well, I said, it only takes one person perhaps to stir it up. So signs now the city is there to pick it up. How come that the public got to try to get, get anyone to do anything right? You know, I don't think there's enough of the public calling in and complaining about those people down there. The poor people haven't got a place to live. They haven't, haven't even got a pot to have a leak in. So now that's, that's not very Christian life, is it? So what would you like to see done, or how would you like to see that approached? Well, there's many houses in Newfoundland barred up that could be repaired. Instead of waiting for someone to build one, you don't build a house overnight. But give you a couple of weeks, you, you could have a house built. I heard on an open line there a week or so ago, down in, in, in uh, Happy Valley, there's four buildings down there. They said there's good for at least 40 beds, and it's just lying up. The kitchen and everything, it's just the same as when the Americans left it. And how come now, well, the, the, uh, the Newfoundland government owns it, they bought it for a dollar. How come they're not doing up that instead of wasting time like they're doing? You know, I don't think there's enough, uh, uh, enough of the public calling in and complaining and trying to tell them what to do. It's wicked. And I'm not against any refugee coming in here in, in Newfoundland because them poor people are suffering enough over there in war and everything else. But they could bring in plane loads and put them in hotels and have them there for months. And all those people are down there now froze to death. They, they, they're going to end up dying if it keeps on the way of going. So I think you should look after your own first and then them people next. And I'm definitely not against neither one of them. It was such a miserable night last night. I wonder how people made out last night. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to. Know, I'd hate to find out. And we got more weather coming today. Yes. And them people are still down there. But the higher ups are not out in no tent, are they? They're somewhere in a comfortable spot, perhaps a drink in their hand. Now, I, I can't see how they can sleep. I don't know. I can't see it. Well, I, uh, we're trying to get an update from uh, the provincial government anyway, and we'll certainly get an update from the city later on yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to get an update from the provincial government on what exactly is being done and how people are being uh, helped and how many people have received help uh, to date since all this began. Uh, so um, uh, we'll try and uh, pass that on as soon as we get any more information. But how long do it take them to do anything, you know? This is my point. How long do it take to... to no, it's only so long you can stay in the water and you'll drown. You know? And there's not enough people calling in. Like that woman I heard on the radio yesterday morning, I think it was yesterday, and she hove enough, enough bricks to kill all them, and now you get to... Uh, uh, a bit of news then from the mayor of town, he's going to do something about it. What did you think about last week? Because the people wasn't complaining. Well, I hope the radio gets red hot today with people calling in complaining. Bert, I really appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. We're going to go now to uh, Mary. You're on the air. Hello, Mary. Yes. What's on your mind? Well, I had a flood here Labor Day weekend. Okay. And, On that recommendation. and then washed down my culvert. 
Anne. Sure. Um, I will just have some very quick opening comments, but I will. Defer Sorry, to we're getting some uh, audio uh, coming through. Mary, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead. And my home care worker couldn't come over the road because there's rocks on the road. So she didn't know about down here what it was like down here. And Where it, are you to, Mary? Riverhead St. Mary's. Okay, so are you in an area that's prone to washouts and that sort of thing? It's a cover right by the house. I see. And, and it, it took my dining room and living room. I didn't know because it was in my room. So my home care worker sent a video to my daughter because she works in the hospital. And she takes her brother and was over in Whitburn. And he came over and took me out of the house and I was halfway up my ramp. Oh, my goodness. So is it being fixed or...? or? No, they were supposed to fix it because my son went into Hyrule camps that day when I were going back. And they said it would be fixed. The other places was my state down below me are fixed. And mine is stunning dominant. And I'm sick of it. I'm 72-year-old. I'm here by myself running my home care workers here in the morning. And so being, what, I, was there water in, in the house? We drained it. Watch the seal was right off of the floor. Well, oh, my goodness. My, my son, when he came, he wouldn't have me go in there even. No, well, that needs to be mitigated because, of course, once moisture gets into your home like that, uh, it can cause all kinds of issues. So who's responsible then for fixing that? The High Rock camp. We went to them on our way back. My son talked to him, and he said, oh, it's probably fixed. And it was supposed to be, was supposed to be here yesterday to do it, but he never showed up. And do you own your home? Yes, I do. Right. So what's the insurance saying? I have got no insurance on us. I see. So are you still in the house? I'm still in the house, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Are I'm not leaving us. What's I that? Nobody take me out of here. The only way to take me out is in the black bag. I understand. Because I had my shoulder broke and I was up to the manor up in St. Catherine's and it tried to run you like a baby. Treat you like a baby. It wasn't like remote or nothing. And have you talked to your MHA? Uh, once again, that's uh, Sherry Gambin Walsh. Is she involved? I was involved? talking to her yesterday. When I was talking to her, I was talking to her secretary. And what's she telling you? Well, the hire is supposed to fix it, and Stevie Ryan said they were coming yesterday to do it, but didn't. And that's your mayor? No, he's the mayor of St. Mary's. Oh, okay. The mayor of here is Glenn Swartz. Oh, okay, okay. That's like the bridge was gone over there a few years ago. And, like, there's three officers down here and two in the road. And I've, Elvis Lovitz was a member of the transportation member. And the mayor of the end was CLA, and she said it was called me Don this year. Right, so that's fixing the road, but are they going to fix your house? 
I got my house fixed. Well, I want some free and clean. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I, I'm trying to uh, play catch up with you. So the house is fixed. You want the road fixed so it doesn't happen again. I want the culvert to go up because it's little rocks. Gotcha. It's like paved right in. Mm-hmm. And like Stevie Ryan, he's mayor of St. Mary's. And he was talking to somebody and they were supposed to come yesterday, but they didn't show up. So I think, you know, nobody, uh, they don't care what happens to uh, Was it bad out your way yesterday with the rain and the wind? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that might have been uh, something to do with it. I'm just uh, sort No, of, uh, they're working down below. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, Mary, uh, will you keep us up to date on any progress there? So I said, to keep it up to date, and then your time age, your old age pensions. So you don't have enough old age pensions to live on with the place and stuff. Maybe. No, for sure. Can you pay your bills and try to get a bit of groceries and get your cleaning supplies and that? If you have food for your cats or dogs, you're not going to make them go starved. No, that's right. Like, I got them now 16 years or something, so I don't lose them. No, no. Yeah. Well, you're taking good care of them if they're that age. I? You're taking good care of them if they're that age. Oh, yeah. Well, my home care worker feeds them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bit of company, hey. Oh, just as soon as she comes, he got one of them. Got, I had to name as Manny and Clyde. Oh, <laughs> Clyde goes to her. Ah, <laughs> very good. Uh, well, I'd like to get this done. Yeah, of course you would. Well, uh, we'll see now if there's any progress there. If if you do hear about or see them at it today, uh, let us know. I do. I never heard from Stanley today. Okay. Mary, I appreciate this. We're overdue for the news, but thank you very much, and uh, hopefully you get that work done. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. And yes, the people that's out there behind the colonial village, you know, that's this great yeah. to the community. Like, they put people in hotels for $100 a night, $1,000 or whatever, give them jobs. And the same, we had mixers in here working at Free Street. And, you know, it's a disgrace. Putting this place here in St. Mary's, well, it's called St. Mary's, all of us call St. Mary's now. It's putting us all in disgrace. Okay. Uh, Mary, I, I'm sorry, I'm well overdue for a break here, but uh, feel free to call us back. Thank okay. you very much. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. And we are overdue for a break uh, for the news with Brian Medore. This is VOCM Open Line, and uh, we hope to hear from you. Win your Christmas cash with a VOCM Cares for the Community 50 50 draw. Buy your tickets until December 16th at VOCM.com. And we are back. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off today. We're going now to Frank. You're on the air. Hi, Frank. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm calling from Marystown. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with firearms and how you have to apply for them every five years to to get your firearms license and stuff like that again. I'm not really, uh, but um, no. Okay. We'll there's see what somebody, we can do to help you. <laughs> well, there's somebody in Newfoundland and Labrador called the Chief Firearms Officer. Right through the RCMP. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, no, it, it's nothing to do. Well, you have to go through the RCMP to get your approval, but he actually issues your card for you. Okay. Now, he's, his office is in uh, 7 O'Leary Avenue, and there's a fax number for him, but I don't have a phone number or an email. Okay, I have... Uh, it's uh, Chief Firearms Officer 7 Pippi Place. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah and there, there's a fax number. Yeah, you're right. That's weird why there isn't a phone number. It's all fax numbers, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I don't know, you know, like who has faxes anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I, I, I just like to, uh, this started, uh, my license ran on November the 20th. Uh, because that's my birthday, mm-hmm. and I started back in April to apply for to get it renewed. Right, and of course the process goes through and everything like that. So I talked to the RCMP in New Brunswick, uh, who does all the things before this, so that you can uh, get the uh, get the card. And they told me that it is now in the hands of the Chief Firearms Officer of Newfoundland and Labrador. Okay. but you And uh, that's been taking a while. Now, of course, my license has ran out on the 20th of November, and I still have a moose license that I haven't filled. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, well, how about uh, there's, there's a 1-800 number on the, on the page I'm looking at. Have you tried that? Is it 731-4000? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering if somebody else is going through the same thing I am. I'm, I'm sure they are. I'm sure there are. Um, we just had uh, someone suggest to us, uh, have you tried through the Rod and Gun Club? They might have some information. Yeah, I talked to uh, uh, Wildlife in Cornerbrook, which is their main office. Right. And uh, they pretty much told me the same thing, you know, like, uh, no, you've got to go through the RCMP, and then, you know, they, you know, it's a procedure, and uh, they're backlogged and all of that stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, there must be something that they can do, you know, like uh, issue me a temporary card or something, you know, until they get yeah. yeah. It's you know. curious that there is no phone number or even an email. It's a fax. That hey, seems really you know, odd get, to me. Let's get modern, right? Yeah. <laughs> let's get up to date here. Maybe that's why it's taking so long. Um, but, uh, yeah, if anybody has any information out there to help you and uh, and point you in the right direction, or if they're encountering the same kind of thing, maybe um, uh, maybe I'd like to hear from them today. <laughs> I, I, I would certainly hope that you do hear from somebody because I, I don't think I'm the only person going through this. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, just the fax yeah. number. That's very curious. And you tried that 1-800 number, didn't get anywhere with it? No. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's like a lot of people now. They, you know, leave a message and stuff like that. Right, right. And, and, uh, and then, did, and you, and you, and you've been checking your fax machine. <laughs> I'm do sorry. One, do you have one that I can use? <laughs> um, they're sort of becoming uh, museum pieces now, but um, yeah, uh, very curious indeed. Uh, I don't know. Good questions, Frank. We'll see if anybody has any answers out there. Uh, I would. 
If there's something you can do for me, Linda, I really appreciate your help. All right, no problem. And um, somebody, somebody out there knows. Somebody out there must have a phone number or know the person's name or something. Right. So you tried the department. That didn't get you anywhere. And uh, and have you tried the Rod and Gun Club so they can point you maybe in the direction? Uh, or? I, I did. I didn't try Rod and Gun Club, and I know members. So you know from yeah. this area. Yeah. So, you know, we have our own riding gun club here up in Southwest Arm and that. So I know, you know, I was a member at one time. Right. Uh, but, uh, no, I, w- I went through what they told me to do online because this is where you file your applications all the time now, right? You submit a photo and all of this. So, you know, it's it, it looks like a driver's license when you get it, but it's yeah. not a fire, firearms possession and acquisition license. Yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar so with can, those, yeah. Yeah, so you can, ha- you know, like you can own a gun and you can buy new ones or whatever. Yeah. But you can't get a hold of anybody. No, not <laughs> unless I have a fax machine. <laughs> well, Frank, let's see what others have to say. If they encountered similar uh, issues in trying to get some answers to um, questions they have from the chief uh, firearms officer, uh, appreciate your call this morning, Frank. Uh, thank you very much, Lenny. You have a nice day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've had a really busy morning so far, but uh, our lines have loosened up somewhat. Now is your opportunity to give us a call to uh, raise any issue you'd like to have raised. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. And we're waiting on uh, weather coming our way here in the St. John's region anyway, about Gander inwards, actually, the eastern portion of the island. And uh, as a result, the provincial government has announced that uh, its offices in the St. John's metro region will close at noon today for the rest of the day, except for those staff who have been already advised to come in to work. So the uh, provincial government uh, preparing for what's going to be a nasty commute home today. So uh, be aware of that. Stay tuned to VOCM and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest in uh, terms of the weather and such. Uh, We're going to go now to uh, Terry. You're on the air. Hello, Terry. 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 Okay, I'll put him back on hold. Uh, We're going to go to Francis. You're on the air. Hello. Hi, Francis. No, Terry. Oh, it's Terry. I'm so sorry. That's why we're a little bit mixed up here. So, uh, hello, Terry. Yeah, uh, the gentleman with the the gun issue, um, if he hasn't already tried, call each of those numbers that say that they're fax numbers because, for example, I have a fax machine with a telephone receiver attached to it. So I can use it as a telephone or a fax machine. So he might luck out by calling. If all those numbers are different, call each of them and see where he might end up. Right. Now, in the meantime, uh, someone has emailed us a, a number for uh, the chief uh, firearms officer. Um, so I'm not sure if Frank is still listening or not. We have another caller that's going to uh, offer some advice as well, and I'll give that number out shortly. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thank Terry. You. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Francis, you're on the air. Hi, Francis. Hi. Hi. Sorry Hi. about that confusion. That's okay. I just had to phone about that man who was uh, looking for his license. Uh, I applied for my husband's online. I do it online. 
and there's no problem whatsoever. I also called that 1-800 number, and I got through right away, and they were very, very helpful. Okay. He's having a little trouble, though. He's trying to get some answers. He's he's done the whole process. He's just uh, delayed in, in getting his uh, license, and he needs to figure out what's going on there. So um, he wanted to just make a phone call, and apparently that's difficult to do. But we, we just had a listener say uh, that there is a number, 772-6370. I really don't know about that. I know I had no problem getting my husband's, although there's a long waiting period for it to come back in the mail. Right, yeah. Well, Francis, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Frank, I hope you uh, heard all that. We've got the phone number here, so if uh, you didn't catch it then, uh, we can pass it on to you if you call into um, Open Line again, and and Dave will give give you the number. Um, We're going to go now to Roger. You're on the air. Hello, Roger. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to talk about uh, uh, doctors where they turn around and give 22 million bucks for the doctors in the States or nurses, somebody get you on the phone, Bocapria? Uh, yeah, it's a contract for virtual... Contract for virtual care, yeah. Because I thought he might be up to help us. And he's a doctor, and he's doing all this to hey, give the money to the States, uh, could do something here, probably help get more doctors in there. Sorry, uh, Roger, uh, can you hear me? Um, yes. Sorry, I didn't catch what you said at the beginning because I, I, I thought you had paused oh, and I... Sorry about that. Yeah, and, and uh, I didn't catch what you said. Okay, uh, like everybody voted the, the doctor in there to try to help us, and he's supposed to be running the, con- uh, the province, and there he is not looking after things, say he's a liver, I guess, and... Truel's same way. He's done the same thing his father had done in 1974, put us in debt that far. It's unreal. But uh, meanwhile, why don't people wake up a bit and get the liberals out? Put your vote to somebody. you got to vote. If you don't, they're going to come in because you didn't vote. Right? And that's my opinion. I put you've got doctor shortage. You've got uh, nurse shortage. You've got... Uh, Problems going in debt further and further, and they're wasting money left and right. Uh, that's my opinion about it. And I'm so sorry for the people that since in Johnson, that's hurting at the camp. Are you still there? I am. I'm listening to oh, you. Okay, yeah. I'm so sorry that things are going out there for those people. But meanwhile, if you're using the washrooms out there, I think they should uh, try to look after it a little bit and destroying it like they did. That's not helping their case. Um, so, Roger, in, in terms of the doctor and nursing shortage, apparently this is a problem right across Canada. And, of course, it, uh, healthcare is the jurisdiction of each of the provinces, and each of the provinces, of course, has different types of governments and the like. And it's a, it's a problem they're all facing. We just had this uh, federation of uh, um, 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 different, uh, sorry, um, provincial and uh, territorial leaders that met recently. And, uh, you know, the refrain was very similar amongst all of them, all of them facing very similar issues when it comes to uh, recruitment of and uh, retention of health care workers. Well, they got to go what Trill wants to do and how he's running it. But meanwhile, now I understand what you're saying is all across, but here where we put a doctor in to try to look after our problems, I think he would have an idea how to run things and try to help the problems more, right? So you're uh, not, uh, I, you're not a, a, a fan of how it's being handled? No, I'm not. No, the place is in a mess. 
I'm not a young person. I've seen how things went through life and everything. And every time the liberal is doing something, even since Joey Small gave away Church of Paul, but he had no other choice because he needed a backup. You know, liberals destroyed, and they come and kicked us out of the place we used to live and put a road over it back in the 60s. And, you know, they pushed people around. And, oh, my opinion, I, I was always said you had to vote liberal, and I did try my best to, and I vote the words and try to help them. But common sense tells you that right now, between the liberal government, how to run the province, run the country, uh, uh, is ridiculous. Right. And they're only out there to make rich people rich. Here I am living in Labrador. It cost me around about 1700 bucks to fly out and fly back. Yet I can go to, if I was in St. John's, I can go down to England somewhere for a thousand because the government put it there. Why not look after your home? You know, we're stuck down there. we got to go for medical, medical reasons and things that cost us, I say, for the hotels and everything, or what we got to spend is over $2,000. So we already already uh, uh, hey, let's give this person a cheap flight to go down England and try to bring people tours in. You can bring tours and sure there's nothing wrong with it, but you gotta look after your home. Roger, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Okay, you have a good day and uh, for all your listeners out there, vote something besides liberal and you get rid of your problems. <laughs> appreciate your call, Roger. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. And uh, making some really good points there about travel, intra-provincial travel uh, between the island and Labrador, in particular Labrador to the island, especially for those who require, um, you know, medical care for either follow-up or for emergency purposes. Um, uh, You know, having to make that trip to uh, St. John's, for instance, or even Corner Brook is uh, beyond the means of most people. And there are programs in place, but uh, we've all heard uh, the complaints uh, related to uh, that, and if you've got to have uh, you know multiple trips in the course of a year or or longer, it becomes really problematic for a lot of people. If anyone has any thoughts on that, they're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going to take uh, a short break from the calls and go to the VOCM newsroom to get a little update on this uh, storm system that's moving our way. Uh, Brian Medor, who is my go-to when it comes to weather, is uh, is there on the ready? Hello, Brian. Good morning, Linda. So, uh, provincial government offices in St. John's metro area will close at noon for the remainder of the day. So, it it um, uh, is an indicator, I suppose, that uh, we're going to get a bit of a dumping. What What's the latest from what you can see? Yeah, I think it's a situation where you don't want all the vehicles on the road at the same time, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, then that creates a headache for the uh, plow operators, everybody. So try to get it. Uh, some people away early. The schools close. Most schools, anyway, going to dismiss about an hour early, one thirty. Uh, just you know how intense it will be at that point just remains to be seen but we're going to have a brief period of rain uh, beginning shortly and then that is going to turn to snow the temperature will uh, start to drop obviously and the snow will uh, accumulate to about 10 centimeters in the afternoon hours another 10 in the evening hours this is primarily the Avalon right now. Uh, could be higher, though, depending on where you are. You just might end up with 25 to 30 centimeters. And, of course, last winter we did see situations
situations just like that, where, say, if you're a downtown St. John's, you might have, you know, 10 centimeters. But if you're kind of uptown in the higher elevations, uh, you're into closer to 20 centimeters. So uh, things can differ uh, significantly depending on the uh, on, on your location, just where you are. Uh, winds, not so much a factor this afternoon in around 40 or so, uh, but there could be a factor tonight, 60 or 70. I would highly recommend uh, getting your driveway shoveled tonight because of going down to minus two overnight. There's going to be... it's. It's going to be kind of a watery-based snow, so it is going to be, you know, if that freezes overnight, we had a couple of storms like that last year uh, where you had a very short period of time in which to get it out of your driveway before it froze solid. Uh, so I would definitely recommend at least getting half of it gone, you know, by supper time, something like that. Right, and it seems like it's early this year. Yeah, well, it's not even December yet, so it definitely is early. We have uh, some calls into the city hall, but uh, they're kind of tied up with another issue right about now. <laughs> so I don't know if we're going to actually uh, make contact with them regarding the, the public works plan. But we did see a lot of salt trucks out earlier on trying to get ahead of this situation uh, because it is the you know starting off with rain and then uh, the snow comes. But you're right, it it is kind of early for this to happen. You know. Uh, certainly what we're used to is, is a lot later than this. Brian Medora, appreciate that. Any updates, you let us know. Will do. All right, thank you. Bye. Uh, and when we come back after the break, we're going to hear from the MHA for Humber Bay of Islands, Eddie Joyce. Uh, and we'd like to hear from you. Uh, we have some lines open. Now is your chance to call. Make a request anytime by calling 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The soundtrack of your holiday joy, your VOCM. And we are back. We're going to go now to the independent MHA for the Humber Bay of Islands, Eddie Joyce. Hello. Hello, Eddie. How are you, Linda? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. Hard for me to complain. Right on. Linda, I'm uh, calling this morning. First of all, thank you for taking my call. Yes, no trouble. Um, I'm calling uh, today again on the, and, and I have been trying to urge government uh, for a nice while now, uh, nurse practitioners in Cornerbrook. There's a, there's a group who work with uh, Western Health who see the need that people, so many people without doctors, have set up a, their own clinics in, in the evening. They have three to 4,000 patients. And I've been urging government to uh, let him build either MCP or the health care authority uh, so that a lot of people, and I got two calls again this week, seniors, who got to pay when they go see the nurse practitioners. And and when you see um, a, this contract with the Teladoc Health where uh, you got to go sit and uh, um, outpatients up to 10, 12, 14 hours, and if need be, you may see some down in the state somewhere who's looks at you after being reviewed and uh, and um, you see a lot of seniors mainly who don't have doctors who need to go more than once they may need prescriptions filled they may need blood work and they got to pay every time and the government can do this uh, it is done uh, as we see in alberta uh, it, they're setting up even allowance going to give them money to set up for uh, set up their private practices in the uh, and then let them bill the government. And, and according to uh, uh, the, the head of nurse practitioner associations in Canada, uh, BC, Ontario, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick have uh, independent nurse practitioner clinics. So, so 
I, I, I miss it. I asked questions in the House of Assembly to the minister, and what he said is that we're waiting to get a full complement of nurse practitioners at the um, health care authorities before we allowed it. But the minister, and he wrote me, I wrote him again, he wrote me back and saying, well, we need in the hospital. But this is over and above their time at the hospital. They see a need. They're trying to fill that need. And does this have anything to do maybe with the collective bargaining process, perhaps, with the registered nurses union or anything like that? Absolutely none. Okay. This is over and above. This is just something that if uh, government can do, uh, they won't do. And this is, and uh, I always hear um, Siobhan Cody saying, well, what can we do to help the cost of living? When, when, when you take a senior... And, and we all know some seniors, that, and not just seniors, but other people have complex uh, issues. And if they got to go several times, they, they get blood work, and they can get a follow-up, and they can go get another prescription. It's costing them every time they go, and there's no need. You want to talk about a private health care, they're saying, well, it shouldn't be a fee for services. And the government is now saying, okay, we'll let you do it, but we're not going to let them, uh, residents, be able to bill uh, MCP or the health authorities. Uh, the minister uh, did say that they can do it, but right now they're waiting to get a full complement uh, of nurse practitioners, which defies logic. If if there wasn't a need, especially all over the province, but I know the need in western Newfoundland, Cornerbrook, um, Scott Reeds District, uh, down the Bay of Islands, if there wasn't a need, but there were no family doctors, we I wouldn't be talking to you right now. There would be people have doctors. They don't have doctors. Some people can't wait 14, 16 hours in an emergency room to get a prescription filled. They can't do it. There's people here, and there's a walk-in clinic here, and a few people contacted me is that you register, and you've got to wait for your turn. Some people said, I can't stand and wait for five or six hours. But there's nurse practitioners that set up, the, set up their offices here, and I know them personally. I know them. I know the great work they're doing. I hear the great compliments. You can arrange an appointment tonight for 7 o'clock. Walk in, get your things done, sit down, have a personal conversation, create a, a and you know yourself, if you go to your doctor, you want a good relationship. We create a relationship with the nurse practitioner over time. They get to know you, they get to know your issues. And this is what we as, a, as we as people, but them as a government, should foster, and we're not doing it. And I've tried everything. I went on open line, I asked questions, I spoke about it in the house, I wrote the minister. I just do not understand the logic why we're putting people through this uh, hardship of having to pay when it's the government who's supposed to have make sure that we have family doctors in our province and we don't have it. And there's people stepping up to the plate, filling the gap, and the government is not supporting them. And I can see why nurse practitioners across the province, um, they, they feel a bit, and I know uh, Travis, uh, Travis Shepard here in Cornerbrook uh, feels that once you look at what we're doing, look at what we're doing, look how we're filling the gap. But for some reason, government won't recognize the gap that they're filling. And this is over and above. For example, you you today, you're, you're working, you're, you're nine to five today. If you see a need tonight, then go out and, and, and do some extra work. That's extra time you're taking away from your family, you're taking away. And in this case, these next nurse practitioners are supplying a service for people that has no other means to do it. 
Um, on that note, um, Eddie, and I know these are two separate matters, but they are somewhat connected. Uh, we had, I don't know if you heard Tom Davis off the top of the show this morning, but he um, he's in Corner Brook and his wife encountered a little bit of a problem with an infection in her thumb that turned to sepsis, uh, which is very serious. And um, so they ended up in the uh, ER at Western Memorial Regional Hospital last night around 11 o'clock. And we're told by the nurse on duty that there was no nurse practitioner or physician available to uh, prescribe them um, anything or, or uh, write up a follow-up. Yep. Uh, is that a regular occurrence? Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's a regular occurrence on that situation, um, but this is the this is the idea. There is a shortage. It just shows what I've been saying that there is a, sh- a shortage. Uh, I can't comment on on that particular situation uh, because I, I'm not aware of it. But my my point on this is that there is a shortage, and here's here's a bunch of nurse practitioners who's filling that gap who they can say tomorrow, yes, you can go arrange an appointment tomorrow and have that filled. And 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 this is, but now you won't have to pay for it, but we can get filled. But if you go and wait, you go back down in the emerge and wait, you can get get someone to give it for you. This is the issue. This is the issue, is that there's a gap. People are willing to fill the gap. For whatever reason, the government don't want to observe and say, yes, there is a gap, and we want you to help us until we get and, – and even if they put a timeline on it, say for two years we'll allow this until we'll reevaluate to see how many family uh, doctors that we have uh, in the province now. But, but to not allow people to go to a nurse practitioner and be billed by MCP or the, or the health authority is just bringing another burden on people who has to pay, who need the medication, who need the follow-up, who need the blood work, but now have has to pay for it because government says, nope, we're not going to do it yet. And they have the authority, they have the ability, and they just won't do it for some reason. Eddie Joyce, I appreciate your call this morning, and I would welcome the minister or anyone else who wants to call and uh, either who have encountered this um, uh, issue or who have um, uh, answers to the issue to give us a call. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you very much again for the opportunity, and I'm calling upon government, please get this done, because this is going to help a lot of people with their cost of living and anxiety of wondering how they're going to get the prescription filled or do they need more blood work. They can get this done, a regular appointment, ease the tension, ease the stress, and help the health care system in Western Newfoundland. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. We're going to go now to the caller on line two. You're on the air. Uh, good morning, uh, Linda. Hello. I'm, ca- I'm calling this morning about my friend, girlfriend, that uh, brought her vehicle to the dealership, and there was an engine light she wanted to fix on the vehicle. She wanted her snow tires uh, changed over. She had them there in the truck, so and she wanted an all changed. So she left the vehicle there. And about 45 minutes after, she got a phone call from the dealership saying that, ma'am, she said, uh, you need a new set of snow tires. She said, they're all cracked up. They're rotten. They're uh, they're not fit to put on your machine. So will we change your tires and put new ones on her? And she said, no, indeed. She said, I don't think so, she said. And uh, anyway, she said about uh, Buddy told her, Dan, he said, uh, your brakes are gone on your vehicle. 
there's about 35 uh, show, uh, wear left on them. And she hardly uses her vehicle at all. She only probably puts about 10,000 kilometers a year if she puts that much on her or not. So anyway, and the engine light that was there, he she said a buddy told her uh, that that had to do with the transmission. There's something wrong with the transmission. So anyway, I went with her after she said I'll be over to pick up my vehicle when I'm off work. When I goes over and picks up my vehicle, I see that the snow tires are on my vehicle. Now he after been telling me, after been telling her that they're rotten. They're not fit to put on her, and here they goes and puts the snow tires on your machine. So what's going on there? Like, you know, somebody is telling lies somewhere around the line or whatever. Well, I mean, so, they're, uh, uh, I guess they, they got to tell you what they see. Um, and if you say, okay, well, I don't have anything else right now, they'll put them back on unless they're really, you know, dangerous, yeah. I suppose. You know what I mean? But. But no, no, like uh, when they told her, and then she said to her, she said, uh, well, she said, boy, she said, uh, you look back at the paper two years ago. I bought those tires from the from this dealership where I got her now. I, ye fellows put them on her, and ye put too much air. It, buddy told her, she said, that you put too much air in your tires. That's what's rotting your tires, she said. Well, she said, well, she said, you're the crowd that put them on. So, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, get a new set of snow tires from her and trying to get a new set of brakes put on the car, vehicle. And does so she anyway, have anybody who can provide her with a second opinion? Somebody who might have a bit of, you know, automotive uh, expertise, we'll say? Well, the, re- the reason why she was doing this, because she was uh, trading her vehicle. She was, she was trading her vehicle. She wanted to get that engine light fixed. And she wanted to uh, put the snow tires down because she won't get a new car within another two or three months down the road. So she needed snow tires put on her. But anyway, they did put them old snow tires back on the machine that she there. So here they were trying to sell, trying to sell her a new set of snow tires. You know. So anyway, when I when she went to pick up the vehicle, here was the snow tires on the machine, and uh, her boyfriend was there with her after, and. Uh, they said to uh, he went in because he had a bit of knowledge about this engine light, and uh, he said, "You're telling us that that engine light is doing stuff with the transmission that got nothing to do with transmission. The engine light that comes on is either your gas stopper or your exhaust or something to do with oil. Got nothing to do with transmission. The transmission was working perfect. So it's telling you that a lady that goes to the garage, you be careful." Because they're there to try to rob you. That's what the dealerships are doing. And I deal with this before. I know all about it. Well, Linda, thank you very much for taking my call. And I hope other people see that when they go to the garage, be careful. Because well, the dealerships are watching. Always, uh, you know, always be aware. Always, uh, you know, uh, question. Uh, the The problem is, and I've encountered it myself, is I don't all, often know what to ask. I've got to sort of place my trust in whoever it is I'm uh, talking to. So, which is, 
you know, why a lot of people, you know, um, you know, form relationships with uh, with their dealerships or with their garages or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, it's whoever you, you trust and whoever you feel comfortable with. But, uh, yeah, uh, I guess it's a lesson to all of us to just become, you know, better aware of, you know, the things that well, we're driving around or the things that we buy. Well, I know that when when we bring our vehicle to the garage, sure, we should trust those fellows. They should tell us the truth for sure. If there's something if there's something that wore out or something like that, well, let me come and look at it first before you decide to put anything else on it. You know, let me have a look at it, but not say, well, by look, I'm going to. You mean to tell me you're not going to put new snow tires on that? There, they're rotten. They're gone. And the brakes are gone. You're not going to put new brakes on her. They're just telling you that they're just trying to rip you off. That's what they're at. I know. All right. I really appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Linda. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, Any thoughts on that? You're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're uh, overdue for a break. We're going to go to right now. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. We have some lines open. Now is your chance to give us a call. And we are back. Um, And we received this um, response to uh, the caller we just had on about the uh, the tires and the dry rot and the like. Um, This listener says, always look at the date code when buying new tires. He says, tires only last five or six years before they experience dry rot and start to crack. He says, I was almost sold a set that were four years old. Yes, they're still new. So in two years, they would be cracking from dry rot. It's stamped on every tire. He says four-digit code for the week and and year that they were produced. Uh, so uh, very interesting. I was not aware of that. So something to keep an eye on when you are changing tires or um, uh, concerned about your tires. Uh, watch for the uh, date code that is, uh, is stamped on every tire and that uh, tires generally start to break down after about uh, five or six years. We are going now to Jim. You're on the air. Hello, Hello. Jim. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'd like to speak a bit about education. And what we do, more, a lot of us go through life, we hear stuff, but we don't listen. So I'd like to avoid that. And I would like to see every school in this province have a library. And every child from three years of age up to and including grade six should be encouraged to be members of that library. And this that library, not to be run by teachers, but be run by volunteers in the community. Volunteers is the key to this community. So what you do is get your three-year-old, get the parent to take the child over. That's what my wife did with all of our children. We have five children, and all of them got university degrees. And take the child over and let the child pick out a couple of books and parents pick out a book. That's only that's part A. Part B, when you go home, you set aside time each night is reading time. So you uh, you read, either read the book to the child after after up to in, in the school, let them read the book. Then afterwards, you do one or two things. You ask them to tell them the story you just read, or you ask them specific questions about the story. So what's going to happen when they go to school? When they go to school, they're going to they're going to listen to you. They're going to have a better comprehension for sure. Yeah. But when they go to school, what are they going to do? They're going to listen to the teacher. Why? Because their mother or father, or their older brother, whatever the case may be, always ask me questions. Now the teacher might ask me questions, so I better listen. So you get in, get the children in the habit, 
not only hearing stuff, but listening to what has been said. And also, that's, that's, that's part one, three years of age of grade six. And grade seven to 12, there should be a, a teacher going around those schools, teaching, talking to the people about, students about common sense and foresight. Right. It's like, what have we got today we never have again? What is it? What, what we got today we never have again? What? Today. See, you weren't listening. Oh, yes, of course, yes. today. <laughs> right? We, today, we got today we never have again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. About that, that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you and your wife have any educational background, or is that just the way you were raised, or...? I went to night school. At that time, there was no GED, so I had to go to night school. I, I left the well, I'm in my 80s. I'm a super senior. So when I was growing up, whatever your parent did, that's what you normally did. So my father was a plumber, and I went to work at plumbing. And my boss had to go get paid every Friday. I got paid Friday. He looked at me and he said, Jim, I don't think plumbing is for you. He said, you probably should look at a different career. I said, the best thing, that was the best thing ever happened to me. Is that right? So what did you branch out to? Well, I branched out and I went to, I went to night school and I finished, I could see grade 11 and commercial. That's where I met my beautiful wife. And, uh, and I said, where can I go to school? Where can I go to work that got benefits? I went to work for the government. I did a couple of accounting courses and got some promotions. So we did all right out of it. From plumbing to accounting, did you ever imagine growing up that you'd end up being an accountant? No, but I was always good at mathematics. Ah. I, I, I like arithmetic. Yeah. No, that was my key. I was wondering in class, why did he spend so much time wasting time spending that time on arithmetic? But that is the key. Now, there's the two things. Three years of age of grade six, and like I say, ask tell you a story or ask them specific questions so you give them to not only hear but to listen. Yeah. And grade 7 to 12, common sense and foresight. Somebody going around talking to kids about that. You know, you're using common sense to fellows and girls, you know, you're out and you're starting to date, you know. If somebody really, really likes you, they're going to want what's best for you, not what's best for them. And what's best for you is stay clear of the smoking and drinking uh, and all of those other uh, uh, you know the things that we all go through in in school yeah but but just just common sense yeah okay now another thing i passed by the government house here and i drove down there i noticed there been a two million dollar greenhouse can you comprehend building a two million dollar greenhouse to grow flowers for the castle we're not too far away. Come minutes, walk away. People are sleeping in tents, sleeping on the cold, wet ground. Do it make sense? That, to me, is not logical. Yeah. It defies all logic to me. And and we'll get more um, information on that whole scenario then, a little later on today. Then, There's some then, uh, movement being... There's something else I'd like to mention about, yeah. about Lieutenant Governor. Tell me why we got to appoint the prison 
she's a nurse and she always bragging every time she opens her mouth she's a nurse. But why have we got to point one out politicians? People like our current member of her, she's getting four checks coming in every month. Why have we got to point somebody like that to our lieutenant governor? Well, you stop and look around the province. We got legions. We got people there who spent 15, 20 years, members of legions, who have to give up thousands and thousands and thousands of hours volunteering for the community. That's the people who, if we got to have them, for things like you don't need them, but if we got to have them, we got to have a lieutenant governor. Why not turn around and point some money from the Legion, somebody who really did something, not somebody who got four checks coming in. She got a check coming in from her job as a nurse, as she says. She had a check coming in because she was an MHA, and she got a old age pension and a Canada pension. A lot of those people out in Legion who have to give them probably up to 20 years of volunteering don't have that kind of an income. These are the people. That oh. we should be looking at. If we got All to right. have one pair of fingers, we don't need one. Jim, we're up to news time now, um, uh, but I do appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Okay, I probably, I probably hear from a few people now. We have phone in open line. With any luck, but, thank you very much. That's a super senior. I feel I have a little bit of experience. I have a lot of common sense. I think. Right on, uh, Jim. Thank you. Okay, maybe somebody can turn around, and take what I, the ideas I put forward, and bring. A, you know, I just plant the seeds. Yeah. If they've grown on fertile ground, they're going to grow. There you go. And they don't. Anyway, you have a good day. Jim, thank you. You have a good day unless you have other plans, is it? <laughs> have a okay. great day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh, Jim there, uh, imparting some wisdom. Uh, we're up to news time now, but uh, in the meantime, we have uh, some more closures. We'll be telling you all about those. Uh, the rooms will be closing today at noon, uh, and that uh, follows with all government offices here in the St. John's region anyway, which are also closing at noon uh, with that uh, pending um, uh, forecast. So. Uh, Uh, We'll have more on that coming up now. We have some lines open. Now is your chance to give us a call. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. And we are back, and uh, we have had a busy, busy morning, so uh, now is your opportunity to give us a call, because uh, if you had tried earlier, you might not have been able to get through, but we do have a couple lines open there now. We're going to go now to Charlie. You're on the air. Hi, Charlie. Good morning, Linda. You're, you're starting to become a regular again. <laughs> well, you know, it's that time of year, I suppose. <laughs> All these kinds of well, weird things going on. I found myself a couple of times just like, oh, wow, I'm not feeling well today, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Anyway, nice to hear you again. A uh, couple, of, couple of anecdotes before I get to my main topic on the Middle East. They mentioned public to- toilets. I remember back in... Uh, my university years back in the 60s, 70s. You could not find, it used to be banks of toilets in, in some places for students, right? You could not find one toilet that was clean or flushed. Now, that's a fact. I would go there and I'd have to end up going on, on, on the third or fourth floor up to where, where the professors and finding a washroom I wasn't supposed to go in. That was, that was clean. I don't know what it is with the use of public toilets 
but I don't know if it's changed since then. But I've had nightmares. I still awake. I still come awake some nights looking for a toilet in university. That's a f- and I'm not joking. <laughs> That's going back a few years. Yeah. It still uh, uh, must have traumatized me, I guess. But anyway, what is it about people that they can't flush a toilet after they use it? Or, or, or they got it to, to, to leak all over the, uh, the seats or whatever? It, it was to- I can imagine the poor old janitors, what trouble they had to, and, and what opinion they must have had about students, you know. But anyway. My, my second thing, did you want to comment? Before? No, no, that's fine. We'll leave that where it is. <laughs> Second one, uh, I don't know if you followed the Oak Island uh, thing on on the History Channel. Did you with a search? Uh, from time there? to time, I I check in just to see how far they're getting with it. But uh, it seems yeah. like the never-ending story. Yeah, it is. We 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 used to get the History Channel and and Netflix uh, or Eastlink, I should say, is taking it off. So I'm getting somebody in St. John's to tape it. But anyway, uh, very quickly, we we made a visit there one time. Uh, I was on the marking board. That was the last year of the Atlantic Marking Board when I used to mark papers in uh, Woolville. Okay. And there was uh, three, uh, two other teachers there. uh, and we decided, because I had read about Oak Island in the Reader's Digest, the, the 1956 edition, I believe, the story there. So that'll date me, right? Anyway, um, they had read about it too, or heard about it. So I said, let's let's uh, go out to Mahone Bay on the weekend when we're not marking and have a visit to Oak Island. And the guy there, the older guy, was a former magistrate. Well, I, well he's dead now, I guess. Max Matthews was his name. People will certainly know I'm talking about. He had a son in the Navy, so the four of us took off for Oak Island. We went out to Mahone Bay and started to, to look for where the signs were and that, and we saw a sign up called Boat to Oak Island. <laughs> That's good enough. So we went down the road a bit and we went in uh, and knocked on a door where it, where it indicated the house uh, where, where the guy was going to take us out. An old guy answered the door and he said, Yes, I can take you out, and I forget what price we negotiated. So the four of us got aboard his boat and headed for Oak Island. You sort of got to go across the bay a little bit. And when we got out to the beach there, we looked up and we could see cars and people everywhere. And um, Max looked back at the old guy and, and, and indicated what was going on. He said, oh, there's, there's some work activity up there and that. So he agreed to wait for us while we went up to explore and have a look at it. When we went up, for God's sake, there was cars and people everywhere. And uh, we asked, uh, we said, how did the cars, what's, what's happened there? And they said, oh, a road just went out about uh, uh, two months ago. And you took <laughs> a boat out. Old guy. <laughs> I was a young guy, so I looked at him. I said, what do we do, Max, that old guy? Is rip-. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do, Charlie. He said, we're going to walk ashore. I said, sure, that could be 10 miles around where the car is in. He said, I don't give a good God. And I won't say what he said. He was no, in, no. He, he liked to swear. And uh, we ended up walking ashore, and it was about, I think, 8 to 10 miles. Anyway, the old guy is probably still up on the beach waiting for us to come back. He can get his money. But anyway, that's my story on Oak Island. (laughs) Very good. But what on earth is that, anyway? I mean, I know this has fascinated people for centuries, uh, and they're still digging there and still finding weird things, uh, you know, uh, vaguely weird things, if you will. Uh, You know, what, what on earth, you know, if it's as substantive as it seems, why don't we know more about it? Well, we do know a lot about it. I've read uh, two or three books on it. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there on it. Um, 
I got interested when I was only about 10 years old. But there's there's deep tunnels all over the place there, and uh, they found uh, silver and gold uh, in the water, so they know there's deposits down there. Now, this year, they're digging down by the money shaft, and they're supposed to be very close to the money pit. So when, when the thing was canceled, uh, I was I was dismayed because I'm hoping that this will be the year. The guys that uh, went up there are from Minnesota, and one of them read the same story and read the story just as I did. That, that motivated those two. But anyway, there's lots of signs of activity. Uh, the, the problem is there's been several groups like Portuguese, British, French, uh, and, and uh, they, they know there was major diggings underground. There was stuff hidden there. Whether, whether people came and took it, uh, but they got flood tunnels and that. And when you get down so far, the place floods and you can't get at it. So they've got the biggest kind of machinery and technology to, to counter that. So I'm hoping this, this will be the year, you know. Well, you and a lot of other people, but of course, uh, maybe not the producers of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, I wanted to mention the, the Middle East, and you've got to right. be careful here, because the minute you, you criticize Israel, they call you anti-Semitic. And of course, uh, that's the last thing I am. Uh, given what happened to the Jews and that, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think of uh, thinking them as less than anybody else anymore, and I wouldn't Muslims or anybody else. But a lot of people don't know, I don't think, what's going on uh, to, to lead up to some of this. You, you don't get these explosions of violence all the time without, without there being a background. And I'll let you in on, on this. Uh, this was from a program a professor was on there a couple of days ago. In the West Bank, the occupied West Bank, not Gaza, that's, that's the other part of the Palestinian uh, territory, uh, they're under occupation and have been for a long, long time. Now, you want to talk about violence. Linda, supposing somebody came to your house at 4 o'clock in the morning with, 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 with guns out and that and just broke in your doors and came to you and got you out of bed and so on and lined you up, uh, would you call that violence? I would certainly feel it. Terror, the, 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 the terror that, that that would cause anybody, it, 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 to me, it's a form of, 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 of extreme uh, violence. And that happens in the West Bank thousands upon thousands of times as they raid these homes and very often they don't know uh, they think they know what they're looking for sometimes sometimes it's just they've seen somebody throw a rock and trace them back there to that it's what what they've done in the west bank and then you get the illegal settlements by israelis going there and settling it illegally and when the palestinians protest uh, they get nowhere that's going on as as, as we speak they can't travel uh, like they used to. They're restricted uh, in, in their movements. That, that place is going to boil over. That, 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 to me, is what creates terrorism. Uh, not that I agree with anything that Hamas has, has, has done, but that's, that's where you get it. Uh, they, they arrest it. Thousands upon thousands of young men there, some for, like I said, throwing rocks or, or, or some infraction, kept them in administrative detention, no charges, and they, they've had them in there in some cases years. Some of these were the ones they released as, as Palestinian hostages, young men that really didn't do anything and weren't charged with any, anything. Anyway, it's, it's, if anybody thinks they can choose sides and it's uh, uh, black and white, it's not. It's gray. And I would recommend, again, a book by an Israeli called My Promised Land. He gets into the detail going way back, and it's a great read. But you have to understand the situation. You can't just say, a mass all bad, Israel all good, or the opposite. It doesn't work like that, right? 
No. Anyway, did you want to No, very, very complex, very deep, deep uh, history there. Uh, And um, I think, you know, a lot of people feel very reluctant to weigh in because they don't understand all the uh, complexities and nuances there. Uh, I think we all understand what's wrong and what, uh, you know, nobody wants to see people dying. Uh, Nobody. Um, But uh, I think a lot of people do feel a little at at a loss to, uh, you know, articulate, I suppose, (laughs) as I am doing right now, uh, anything beyond that, uh, because, you know, it is, um, you you have to do a a significant amount of uh, digging and and, uh, research into the history of the region, uh, going back, well, more than a century. So, you know, it's... um, it's 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 daunting and 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 it's best if you if you don't understand the situation it's probably best to be quiet about it like when israel was established in 1948 there's few people know that the land they were given when 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 the arabs went to war uh, on them at that time because they didn't agree with what the western powers did they didn't agree that, that this was their land they went to war and the israelis at the time drove them out of uh, terrorized them in some cases the history is all there i'm not speaking uh, uh, off the cuff here they terrorized them out of their homes and took up more land than they were given by the United Nations. And the Palestinians have always wanted the right to return to those homes. And um, when they've had peace talks and that, they've blamed the Palestinians for not accepting the the, the uh, offers. But the main sticking point has been the right to return to the homes that they were driven away from in 1948. And I'm sure anybody who was driven out of the home uh, for good would, would, would understand that uh, they would want that back. But anyway, that's just another segment of it. Charlie, I appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. Okay, Linda, all the best. Already. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. Hey, we're back. We're going to go now to the leader of the New Democratic Party of Newfoundland and Labrador, Mr. Jim Din. Hello. Hello, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All getting ready to batten down the hatches for the storm. Indeed. Uh, what are we getting? Uh, 15, sometimes 25, perhaps, in some areas? It's hard to say. I don't know. To me, I guess, it, and, and probably to you, I won't speak for you too much, but uh, for me it's going to be an, the inconvenience of trying to clear the driveway and that uh, later on. And uh, But I'll have a warm place to go for the people uh, who are living down in the tent city there next to the colonial building. It could it could resemb, uh, it could basically literally crush their homes that that they have right now. How did they make out with that wind and rain we had yesterday? That's uh, they're in a more sheltered place than let's say when I when the when the in, uh, the intensity was up at the on on the Confederation Hill because that was just uh, uh, open wide open. But still, when I was down there this morning, the, uh, the the you could see a lot of the shelter, a lot of the tents had taken the beating for sure. Um, but you know that's that uh, one of the things uh, I brought this up in the house. I said winter's coming, in the time before I could, uh, when I could still speak. That is, um, the fact is that you know winter is coming upon us. What are we? Uh, what are we going to do to make sure that people have? Um, have a shelter. Um, it, we, the official of, of start of winter, I think, is December 21st. But here we are with a probably a, what could be a major snowstorm, <clears throat> and people not only in this tent city, <clears throat> but who are probably sleeping rough elsewhere in the city and in other municipalities and throughout the province. So I think uh, it, it's 
it's like the eleventh hour, and 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 uh, and we're we're willing, and then the province is willing to uh, let people remain where they are without the proper shelter. Are any solutions forthcoming? Well, we've heard um, we've heard uh, that, and I, I yet to confirm this that there is uh, that the government is looking at block funding for a uh, a hotel where a number of uh, uh, people who've been put up there temporarily. That remains to be seen, and that remains to be seen as to the other questions that come around with it. For me, as if, if indeed we're going to have uh, funding and 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 funding for supports, how long will the people be able to stay there? Um, and uh, and uh, is just a temporary thing until the storm passes or until the spring until spring arrives, and then what? Uh, I can't believe I'm talking about the, the like the interim measures since you know uh, we've got to have a we, there's got to be a long-term solution to this. Uh, we just can't keep uh, people living in tents in emergency shelters and so on and so forth, Linda. But uh, and is a, a hotel a, an option? Um, oh, I think right now to get uh, out of the at least and. Un- un- uh, it beats, it beats uh, for for people who are choosing to live in tents. They're doing so because they do not feel safe in the shelter system. Right. So definitely, I would say something that uh, what I and I've argued for is something that at least gives them the opportunity to uh, have their own bathroom, their own uh, uh, pro- uh, door that can be locked, um, um, and, and provide some security. That's that is a key part to what they've been asking for. They'd also want to be able to have a home that they can do, you know, like uh, cook themselves but uh, would further supports be required uh, to allow that to be successful I would say and that from what I gather I don't know how uh, this remains to be confirmed uh, that the, uh, that there will be funding uh, that there will be uh, for supports as well I would I would hope so you just like, for some uh, for people you do need to have the supports in place uh, I guess the other part of this is and and this is the whole controversy now that's around the uh, the the washrooms being locked down there uh, by Bannerman Park and they uh, there has been significant damage there. But I will say this and uh, like I know the city is getting uh, lamb basted for this, but I I have to not, uh, redirect this in some way to the provincial government. You know, it's uh, like in terms of one of the things that I would like to see is here if indeed it's a it's an issue of security and maintenance, then maybe it's about time that the province pony up, since they have not done anything to address this issue significantly. It's landed on not only in the city of St. John's, but I would argue in other jurisdictions as well, that they, they, they provide the support to the cities to make sure that they can that they can main, keep facilities like this open as well. Uh, it is a right, it's certainly, for people to have access to a washroom, and they should. But uh, I've, I've seen, I've heard some of the comments from ministers that they more or less washed their hands of it, and um, it's on the city. No, it's on the province as well. This this mess we're in is because the province has failed to react. And I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you, I guess to me, it's about priorities. This year alone, I think, and I'm looking at the amount of money that's going now to oil companies to drill exploration wells, seismic programs, and uh, assessment of the volume of gas, 70 million this year alone. During the pandemic, over 500 million in, in, in breaks and uh, support. To co- and yet, here, when it comes to supporting the city, and I would say other municipalities, and people who need these homes, the the province is uh, sort of conveniently washing its hands off of this and or sort of allowing the city to be the scapegoat. Shame on them. 
Shame on them for doing this. They they need to step up to right now and, and provide the infrastructure and the support. We've got the colonial building next door, which was, uh, I don't know how much money the province spent in restoring that. Well, there is a warm place there. Why not set up people in that, uh, 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 that housing support staff uh, and uh, social workers there and also provide use it as the lower section as a as a warming center or access to washrooms if they re if they would really care I, i'm just so i'm sorry linda i'm so frustrated with <clears throat> the lack of compassion and the lack of concern on behalf of the premier the minister of children seniors and uh, social De development and i have to say the uh, the the, uh, the the mha for the area john abbott i i think right now is do something uh, here to work together with your uh, municipal uh, uh, leaders and the city, and not just here in St. John's, but across the province, to make sure people have the supports they need, and the cities have the uh, municipalities have the supports they need to keep people safe and warm. Personally speaking, get them out of the uh, tents altogether and into a place that they that they that that, that satisfies their needs, um, because we could all be in that situation at some point. At the you know there are a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck. People who I was helping yesterday, who are uh, facing eviction, they run into some financial uh, rough times, and now they don't know where they're going to be living. And uh, my fear is that guess what? It's uh, it could they could be the next uh, people in the tent city. Totally wrong. Maybe. Well, here's an open invitation to the minister of CCSD, Mr. Paul Pike. Uh, he's also the minister, of course, for Newfoundland Labrador Housing. <laughs> Uh, to give us an update on that uh, situation and see if there's any relief in sight for the people there prior to this weather moving in. And I think also, if there if there's not, they got to step. The province has got to step up and put on its big boy, big girl pants and and start uh, and start living up to its responsibility. And uh, you've got people there, and the people are living there not because they've just they've just chosen to uh, it on a whim. Uh, they, it's a failure on the part of this government to address the housing situation, and this is the end result of it. I think I was on this, on uh, with Patty uh, over a year ago, uh, last talking about the fact that uh, that dealing with people who are sleeping in the rough in the in Pippi Park, and we're starting to see a trend. If I could have seen it as the uh, as an MHA with the third party, surely the God, the uh, government departments must have been, must have been aware of it, and they failed to act. Simply put. Uh, Jim Din, I appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Take okay. care. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, and uh, we're up to a news break now. We just received an email, however, from uh, someone, who, a listener says, we have three vacant schools in St. John's. Convert one or all into warm places for the homeless. They have multiple classrooms plus other rooms that could be bed-sitting rooms. Um, so there's a, an idea thrown out by a listener. Um, and um, if anybody has any thoughts on that, they're welcome to give us a call. We're up to news time now with Brian Medore. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And we are back. We're going to go now to Keith Cormier in Cornerbrook. Hello, Keith. Hi, Linda. How are you today? Good. You got some snow your way, I understand? No, but we're sort of uh, pining because all the old skiers here on the West Coast are saying to the St. John's, they get everything that we want. So <laughs> I think it's what the strange, isn't you're getting, yeah, the little bit of snow you're getting today will be called uh, Wednesday on the West Coast. Right, right. So uh, you <laughs> anyway. haven't seen a lot uh, so far the year or what? 
We've had a bit, and it's come and gone. It's a bit like last November. We had a lot of snow, and then we had get, you get a couple of days of mild weather. And so, uh, you know, climate change is here, but we'll see what happens later on after Christmas. Well, fingers crossed for the ski hill and all those outdoor enthusiasts on the West Coast. The crazy guys and crazy ladies out here. So, that's, that's, <laughs> Having that's fun, though. Having, having fun. But that's not the reason for my call today. I, I, I called today because... Uh, our chief of Hollywood First Nation, uh, Chief Brendan Mitchell, is his last day on the job as chief is tomorrow, the 30th, and as he uh, transitions into another very important role within the Indigenous uh, people in Canada. And I just wanted to call and, uh, and thank him for uh, eight fantastic years uh, with him at the, at the, as chief of Hollywood First Nation. And uh, because sometimes, you know, because we're not in the media mecca of Newfoundland, i.e. the East Coast, uh, we sometimes flies under the radar, and I think it's important that we recognize uh, his contribution uh, to the First Nations people of, of this island, especially. And many years in leadership roles, even prior to that. Yeah, I mean, it. it I think Chief uh, Mitchell he actually ran for the first council in 2012 uh, as the ward councillor for Cornerbrook uh, Ward, and then uh, in 2015 uh, ran for chief, and then in 2018 was reelected. I was vice chief for 2018 with him to 18 to 21, and then he's chief again. So um, uh, he's. Uh, I mean, you know, just some of the. I think for, for me, some of the highlights because uh, I was in a leadership position for a while was that uh, Chief Mitchell was actually. The, able to rebuild the relationship between the indigenous people here on the island with what's known as, as the Santiamawiomi, which is the Mi'kmaq Grand Council, which was the pre-contact governance body for the Mi'kmaq people in all of Mi'kmaq, which is like the Gaspé part of Quebec, most of New Brunswick, all of Nova Scotia, PEI, and most of Newfoundland. So uh, that organization uh, under... Uh, uh, Norman Silliboy is the Grand Chief now, and that relationship was rebuilt in 2019, which was which was fantastic because they were here. And uh, given the fact that we were written out of the terms of union, uh, I remember being in St. George's uh, with the Regional Chief, uh, with the next uh, Grand Chief and the Grand Captain uh, Adelaide Denny in 2019, and they both looked around the room and after a conversation, they said, "We have cousins here, we have relatives here, so how could we not have been here?" <laughs> If, you know, the Grand Council has been around for almost 10,000 years, according to the Petroglyphs. Um, so that's a, that, was a, that was an important relationship to rebuild. And I think the second one that the Chief Mitchell really worked on um, was to get us accepted into the Assembly of First Nations, which is the which is the national oversight organization representing First Nations citizens in Canada, which is like about a million First Nations people under the umbrella of the Assembly of First Nations. Uh, I think 634 First Nations uh, communities across Turtle Island from coast to coast to coast. And he rebuilt that. And again, we got accepted in 2019, uh, which was a, a huge day for our First Nation. And um, it's uh, things are looking up. So uh, where where to from here? How does this process work now in uh, choosing a new chief? Yeah, interesting question. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the governor's piece or the the uh, I guess the elections act that the band has that if if a chief uh, terminates the position of the chief uh, more than a year out from a say a, a scheduled election, uh, which would be in October of 2024. Uh, then an election is held. But if, if he leaves within a year, like 12, you know, 11 months or less, then the band council, the nine ward councillors get together and they choose from one of the two uh, two uh, vice chiefs. So Jenny Brake on the West Coast, Western vice chief, and Andy Barker, who's the central vice chief. So council will get together, I guess, sometime next week, I hope, 
and decide who's going to be the interim chief until the elections in 2024. That's the process. Gotcha. So what's uh, what's uh, Brendan's role going to be now? What do you hope he'll bring to it? Well, uh, when 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 uh, when the when the Assembly First Nations accepted Halibut uh, First Nation as a member in the Assembly First Nations, uh, we came under the regional office of Regional Chief P.J. Prosper out of Nova Scotia, who was the regional chief for Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. So both Michelle Joe, who was instrumental in getting a regional chief for Newfoundland, God love him, from from Abel and Kind River, um, in uh, late 2022, I believe it was. The Assembly First Nations decided, yeah, it's time for the, the, the 25,000 Indigenous people to recognize as First Nations people in Canada on the island of Newfoundland have its own regional chief. So they set up, they, they approved a regional chief, and then there are the, the, the four bands that make up the Assembly First Nations in Newfoundland, which is the Hollywood First Nation, uh, Maybrook First Nation, Con River, uh, Glenwood First Nation Band, and Flat Bay Band. So those four chiefs got together and decided amongst the applicants who was going to be the regional chief, and that process went on early fall this year. And Brendan was exce- Brendan was successful, right? So he tra- he's transitioning away from Halibut chief uh, tomorrow, and into uh, getting an office set up here on the west coast and hiring staff and and representing just those four individual nations. So he won't be involved in day to day operations of Halibut First Nation, which he had a huge impact on. I mean, I think that some of the things. I think when the band was formed in 2011, we had two offices. We had the main office here in Cornerbrook and a small one in Stephenville. But now I think there's at least six offices right across the 67 communities in Central and Western Newfoundland. Uh, providing goods and services uh, to our 23,000 members, so off reserve. So, uh, any plans? I was going to ask if uh, you know uh, to mark this transition. Um, I, that would not be for me to to say. Uh, it would be for council to do. Um, I, I did do a, a personal thing. I, I went and had a cake made and brought him down, thanking him for uh, eight years as chief, uh, and gave it to him and. and skunked at the back door, so uh, not to take away what's going on. But, um, no, I, I have no idea. Uh, that would be up to, I guess, chief and council next week. Uh, are they going to recognize his efforts over the last, uh, you know, 11 years and council and eight years as chief? So I, we'll see what happens uh, once the interim, interim chief is appointed, hopefully next week. And, Keith, are you going to make a run at the chief's position? Well... My wife just came in from the walk. I'd say no um, at this time. <laughs> uh, Noted. <laughs> well, it's you know I'm still I'm still uh, uh, really involved, uh, uh, you know, and in, in, on the culture side and trying to help and being involved with my grandchildren and, and uh, other things within the community that I'm that I'm doing on a regular basis. So I'm pretty busy that way. Uh, the band is important to me. Uh, I think it's uh, it's important that. Uh, you know, we we never forget uh, who we are and and why our our, our grandmothers and, and and hid their identity because, and I was thinking, listening to Charlie two two uh, callers ago when he's talking about what's going on in Palestine. Well, I mean, you know, Canada has its own Holocaust. I was looking at some stats a while ago that uh, the chances of dying in the Second World War from the list of people going overseas was one in twenty six, and for children who were suffered under the residential school system in Canada for over 100 years, the chances of dying was 1 in 25. So, uh, and they're all marked with numbers. I remember being in Winnipeg and seeing a, 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 the Truth and Reconciliation, the residential school the exhibit at the Canadian Human Rights Museum, and the, an old guy pulled up his sleeve, and here on his right hand was the number, on his wrist was number 58. 
Amanda, can I, can I think of one other place in the world that that happened? And it was, you know, in the, in the late 30s and early 40s in Europe. So um, we can't forget that kind of stuff. And uh, the education piece is important. And um, building out the education piece and, and, and building out, you know, a capacity within our band to do better, uh, to become better citizens of this place uh, is important. But uh, not about me. When I, whatever happens down the road, but this this really call us to thank Chief Brenda Mitchell, the great grandson of the famous uh, Mi'kmaq prospector and guide Maddie Mitchell, who's recognized up in Grossmore. And I just want to say, you know, Wallon and Chief Sagama for uh, for eight years. Thank you for your leadership. Uh, our organization's growing. We we have the best best fiscal responsibility score of any First Nation in Canada, as came out in the last years. Yeah. Well, that's something to... A, a, a good score, and good score is that is zero. We're the only First Nation band, I think, in Canada ever scored zero in 2022. Well, well, well. So, hats off for having a good staff, and Chief is responsible for those senior appointments. You know, we don't get involved in, in appointments, but I think the, the Director of Operations, Director of Finance, those come under the, the Chief and Council approvals piece. So um, hats off to Chief for you know uh, hiring Derek Simmons as Director of Finance uh, when I was on Council, and uh, and building out this capacity so that we squeeze every dollar we can out of Canada at every opportunity. Uh, we provide goods and services and education funding, and I think it was, it was uh, in the last eleven in the last eleven years when since Halibut has been formed, I think over a quarter of a billion dollars has been paid out in goods and services, non-insured health benefits, education benefits, and whatnot for the members of Alibu First Nation. And that's, a, you know, in Newfoundland, that's a big number. Keith, so, and, uh, um, I'm for, unfortunately, we're up to another break, but I really appreciate yeah. your time this morning. Thank you very much. No, thank you so much, and I and, uh, hope you don't get too much snow, and if you can get the winds turn easily and drive back to the west maybe, coast. Maybe we'll we, just, we will, yeah, start blowing. Everybody blow. We, we, <laughs> we, won't, we won't be unhappy. <laughs> Keith, I appreciate have, your call this morning. Thank you. Have a great day. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Uh, and we're up to a break. Uh, we hope to hear from you. And we are back. And, of course, with uh, this uh, pending weather heading uh, towards the east coast and along the south coast, uh, uh, we're getting uh, quite a few cancellations. Brian Medora is in the VOCM newsroom to give us a little quick rundown on what the latest is. Yeah, it's more like the, all the uh, public facilities, uh, the rooms, government offices, uh, Marine Institute, Memorial University, Signal Hill Campus as well. There are daycare facilities, a lot of campuses of the College of the North Atlantic, or a few of them. Uh, all all shutting down for the afternoon so it's a uh, kind of a full I don't, I don't know if i want to call it storm 20 centimeters or so but it is stormy if nothing else and the roads are going to be poor so i guess what they're trying to uh, mitigate is uh, you know uh, people being out on the roads when there's heavy snowfall and slush no doubt uh, those kinds of uh, miserable winter driving conditions yeah and we've seen it many times before you know uh, you get a couple of hours of pretty intense snowfall and then uh, everything converges at four o'clock uh, everyone leaves at the same time in metro and it is just mayhem because plows can't get anywhere to plow the road and you just have a you know just really gridlock that nobody is moving anywhere for an hour hour and a half on end because everyone leaves at the same time so this way here people are leaving earlier in the day not everyone but uh, you know a good chunk of the population anyway so uh, uh, leaves the, that kind of situation and then you have the uh, school traffic most of it is going to be moving at about 130 quarter to two and around that range 
and then you'll have a lot of the workforce leaving at about you know that usual time four four thirty. So it is staggered to the point where you won't have all of that convergence at one single time. Brian, thank you. Great short. Okay. And uh, we'll keep you up to date on the uh, weather conditions uh, throughout the course of the afternoon. We're going to go now to Alex Taylor. Hello, Alex. Hello. How are you doing? Great. How was your concert? Amazing. I really did good. I'd just like to give a little thanks out there for everyone who helped me out. Uh, everyone at VOCM, too. Uh, my special guests and navigators. And the grand total will be out in a few days. Excellent. So you had a good uh, uptake? Oh, yes, it's amazing. I'm really happy with how it turned out. It's going to be the top of all the ones. Fourth annual will be the best right now. So I'm hoping for uh, better as the years go on. But, yeah, I'd like to thank everyone, everyone behind the scenes, musicians, everyone who bought tickets, everyone who donated, and just have to thank you all, right? Right on. And uh, all the proceeds going to? Bridges to Hope. Excellent. Uh, Alex, really uh, appreciate the update. Thank you very much. Perfect. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to go now to uh, Daryl and Gander. Hello, Daryl. Oh, hi, Linda. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks. I hope you're better than the weather, anyhow. <laughs> well, so far, <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's, that's the main thing. Uh, then the one calling back today, I watched on NTV News yesterday. They did an episode on uh, a seniors' home here in Central. I believe it might have been Grand Falls, Windsor, that area. And they're talking about how... The, the, the fees have increased for their residents and has gone dramatically and they're, I was watching them and they're that stressed out now they don't know if they're going to be able to uh, cover their costs anymore and uh, it really hit the heart there because I was watching this and I said this is terrible I mean uh, wouldn't for seniors we wouldn't be where we're to today and they pay their dues to society and you know we're paying, we're spending, government spend millions of dollars and other things now. And, and you know, as you know, recently uh, every time we uh, hear announcements, there's millions and billions of dollars, whatever the case may be, depends on what level of government. And uh, and I seen the stress on these these seniors. It was, it was terrible. Uh, I remember one lady saying, like, our family is away now and whatever and so forth. And uh, so and she don't know what she's going to do because it's the increase of costs. And I, I guess maybe the owners. Got a, their their costs have increased because I guess inflation, interest rates, and the list goes on, as you know. But I mean, my God, I mean, we got to do something for the seniors. This is terrible. I I was watching the story and, uh, and you know, just listening to it. And uh, if you get the chance, you might be able to watch that episode. It was on NTV News yesterday evening. Uh, if you went online, just take a look at it yourself. And I think the government got to do something to help these people. And and they're like in their 80s and so forth, and, and they're stressed out. And this is supposed to be their like golden years now. And then they're talking about probably if two people share the room and all that. But I mean, just uh, what kind of quality of life are they going to have? I mean, that's their home, and they deserve the the best. And my opinion, I think uh, someone uh, like Tom Osborne, the Minister of Health, come on to the show here and let's do something for the seniors. We got millions of dollars going out the door in other ways as of recent announcements, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, rightfully they're doing what the right thing. I don't know. It's hard to say in other aspects, but 
I mean, this is uh, this is deplorable, and uh, something's got to be done about this. And uh, hopefully, Tom Osborne, or someone, come on your show and address that issue. It's terrible. I know a number of changes have recently been announced, and more changes uh, are forthcoming. Um, but uh, as all things, uh, some of these um, uh, policies and and whatnot take time. Um, what? do you think can be done in the very short term to help alleviate some of the difficulties faced in, in particular by seniors? Well, I think in the short term, uh, what the government's going to have to do, I know uh, uh, everybody's under financial restraints, but I mean, uh, as you hear, like recently, there's announcements of a million dollars here, there, uh, whatever the case may be. So in the short term, I, I don't know if they got any resolutions for all this, but in the short term, kicking the money for these people so that they don't have to live a stressful life, waking up every day, worried. Uh, are they going to have a boite? Are they going to be able to pay the rent for uh, these uh, personal care homes that they're into and so forth? So kick in the money now. Subsidize these people. I mean, they, they paid their dues to society. They paid their taxes all their lives. Now let's reward them and, and give them a good quality of life. So in the short term, cut in this come in step in and subsidize them not wait till next year or march or april or whatever do it now give them a peace of mind they deserve it and i'll reiterate if it wasn't for seniors we wouldn't be where we're to today they were the foundation to where we're to today they contribute to society they deserve the utmost respect and they should shouldn't have to live wait or live and when i said watch that story yesterday and he had a lady on there, uh, one of her, her mother was there, one of them, like, you know, I was just watching it, boy, that, that is, is terrible. I mean, people shouldn't have to live like that no more. And love is cause uh, due to, uh, you know, high interest rates, inflation's gone through the roof, everything. And uh, I'll go back to when the, when the government, the federal government had to shut everything down due to COVID-19. But now they did what they had to do and thought it was right, I guess. Everybody got a different opinion. But now, because of all this, is all domino effects. So, I mean, so right now, today, they should kick in some subsidy so that they can live in comfort. Daryl, I, I appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, no, I promise. And, Lexi, if you get a chance, just watch that episode on NTV. It was yesterday evening. It was on there. If you get a chance, go online. Just see for yourself. And get your shovel ready. And get the shovel ready. Well, right here now it's uh, two degrees here in Gander, so we got wet snow. So if it stays above zero, it probably won't build up as much, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Keep your fingers crossed, eh? Hey? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Again, Linda, thank you uh, very much uh, for your time, and all the best to you and staff at VOCM and your listening audience. All right. Thank you very much. Right old. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, and we are going to go now to Michelle. Michelle will have the last word today. Hello, Michelle. Oh, hi, Linda. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Uh, well, uh, not too great, uh, considering the amount of stress that I'm under, but uh, what I wanted to call in for is I did have a problem with Newfoundland and Labrador housing. I have gotten a subsidy. Now, there are no apartments out there, and I do feel like, you know, a round table with uh, his boss, uh, you know, being the, the ministers and the health care and the cost of this is the conversation I'd like to have later. But... I have a lot of empathy for those that are down there. And, you know, when it comes to engineering, us Newfoundlanders could build a house on 
a back of a rock and you could walk anywhere from the ground and then when you're inside the house there was three stories we were amazing engineers all you need to do is go around the bay here we are in all they need is a bathroom and I've looked on the internet, I don't have the internet right now, but in the past, in China, they have this design for a bathroom, and I know it sounds disgusting, but you sit on the toilet, and a shower head is above you. So that means you can get a shower while you're sitting on the toilet if you're in a small space. If you think about it, that's probably one of the cleanest because all you can do is, like, lift it down, and it cleans it all with the drain being in the dead center where your feet are to. Okay. Um, Michelle? Why with Mun and all of these concerns, especially with the Alt Hotel down there, and up in B.C., they're doing these Lego homes, while we can't do modular building, with making sure that a septic tank can clean that out and have that security in there, can't we build the bathroom one at a time, and then perhaps if needed, if you had to, we okay. can move it out to, you know, on the highway or whatever. Michelle, and- we're, we're completely out of time, I'm afraid, um, and we're having some trouble with the line. I'm not sure why, but uh, we'll we'll be getting updates on the the bathroom situation there. And uh, by the sounds of it, according to Jim Din, we might get an update on on what's happening with uh, the encampment and the people living there uh, later today. So stay tuned for that, uh, Michelle. I appreciate your call this morning. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And uh, we're completely out of time. Thanks, everyone, for your contributions. We're up to news time now with Brian Medore. Uh, thanks for listening.